1: everybody and welcome to an episode of the film feast podcast i'm your host matt bledsoe this week we are following up last week's discoveries episode with even more discoveries with two more fantastic guests uh first up is the man who was just on a few weeks ago talk about after hours with me so happy to have him
0: back so soon it's preston mitchell preston how are you doing i'm doing well matt uh thank you again for having me and uh, i've i've been excited for this episode uh for for quite a while
1: yeah i think i brought it up like early early this year so i think it's like it's been on the table for a while so i'm glad it's finally happening um and we're not alone because we are also joined by someone else you people have heard of this podcast many times she's also been a guest on the cobwebs podcast schlock and many more it's carmelita valdez mccoy carmelita how you doing hi
2: friends i'm good
1: (laughs) hello you people can't see this but carmelita looks so excited this is great i'm beaming
2: (laughs) Yes, this has been highly anticipated. You threw out the invite many, many months ago. Yes. And, you know, I started like a little private letterbox list and I would throw a thing or two on there. But the last like week and a half, I have been working on this like on the regular. And I was still still tinkering two hours ago at the time of this recording.
1: Yeah. I tinkered up with mine up to like the day of too. Like maybe yeah. like the minutes up to we started recording. I was like, ah, what's in the 10 spot? What's in the nine? Like what What? <laughs> ma- it's like, well, it's hard with like what makes the cut. I feel like I don't know about you guys, mm. the top of the list is easier, I think. Because the top of the list is like usually a little more solidified. The bottom mm. gets a little more like kind of wibbly wobbly. And it's like what's gonna what's gonna go on, what's gonna go off. Um so i understand i i, I appreciate tinkering because i do it all the time so um in case anyone missed last week's episode and is tuning for this one um you should go back and listen to that one but i will yeah play. what are you doing yeah it'd be weird it's like watching like empire strikes back without watching new hope it's like what are you, <laughs> like, what are you doing um, but we're doing, um we're do- so we're doing discoveries which uh, this will be carmelita and preston's favorite first time watches of the year i did my top 10 last week with daniel and keith um I, so I, I it's mostly it's your two show. I'm just here to like host and go back and forth and maybe add commentary. I don't know. Um I do have a few honorable mentions that were the things that were like right on the edge of my top ten. Like I did a whole bunch last week and I saved like five or six this week that were like really, really close to being the top ten. So I have that at the probably throw in at the end. Um but yeah, otherwise we're just gonna run through your top ten from ten to one. And I'm so excited because I have like truly no idea what is he like on either one of your lists like like because I told you guys but I told them before we started recording that I had a better idea a little bit better idea of maybe Keith and Daniel's taste or picks uh last week but I you guys it's gonna be a wild card I can't wait I have no idea what's gonna happen so this is very exciting for me um and I had to do had no, no prep work on my end too which is always great so <laughs> um yeah, I mean I guess I guess I'll I'll ask you the same question as Daniel and Keith last week, which I'll start with Carmelita. How do you feel like you had what, what kind of year do you have watching movies? Do you feel like you have a good year of discovering a lot of stuff? Like do you feel like you watched more than usual, about the same, <laughs> like just your year in movie watching.
2: I had an excellent year in movie watching. I watched so many movies. I was <laughs> looking at my letterbox stats earlier today, and I've logged more than 600 movies this year already
0: good lord
2: 422 of those were first time watches wow <laughs> i mean a double feature every night
1: it adds and then a lot it. of
2: podcasting <laughs> like it it, it actually happens a lot easier than you might think that and also you know i t- i like sitting on the couch and watching movies so <laughs> <laughs> So I, I watched a lot of movies. I watched a lot of first time new to me movies that run the gamut. This was coming up with this list was really difficult. And if anybody was going to go creep on my letterbox or or look back through my posts of what I watched all through the year on Twitter, you're going to see some you're going to be like, how did that not make the list? That's, you know, a masterpiece or a classic or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I really. I was focusing for this list on the discoveries aspect. Like, there were lots of movies that didn't make this 10 that I loved, that I recognize as classics, even some five-star movies that didn't make this list. But this list for me was all about, like, I loved it, and it really surprised me. Exceeded my expectations. Did something that I was thinking about for days later. Like I was really kind of going for the discovery, like Eureka experience with these. It was fun. It was hard, but it was fun.
1: <laughs> I like that. I, uh, yeah, I, my, I always talk about my list being like, there's stuff on my list that's like, Matt, have you not seen this? Or like stuff I knew was probably gonna be great, but I just haven't watched it yet. So I like that you're kind of focusing on like, some like things that really came out of nowhere, like for you. So um it's exciting. So Preston, how would you say your year went with uh, movie watching?
0: <laughs> yeah, I um, echoing Carmelita a little bit in the sense that um, I think I had an excellent year of movie watching. And part of it was because it was a, so what I'm about to say is paradoxical. The first <laughs> of many today, I'm sure, uh, because so it was an excellent year of movie watching where I watched. There were certain genres that I dug deeper into than I ever had before, while also, um, it, it also, like, really, I felt like there were a lot of first-time watches that when I put the movie on, I had a, a preconceived notion about a director in the uh, who was behind it, or a, an actor, maybe, who I wasn't, like, super, like, into at first, but then this movie or this couple of movies, like, really surprised me in a way, and and I feel like this was the year not just of discovery for me, but of really me reassessing previous opinions I, I'd had just based on the movies I had watched this year. Um, and I felt like I feel like the past year or so, well, really this year and last, I felt like I've found more favorite movies of mine than any year I've had before. So nice. I feel like oh nice. Yeah. yeah, I feel like this list. And even some of the honorable mentions, like uh, be, this list, I think really encompasses, like, okay, these are movies that I'm gonna take with me for a very long time uh, because my 10, like, once it got to like number, I'm not gonna give anything away, but <laughs> I, I literally like there, there, there are many, many movies. Like, I'm gonna mention the, you know, like the the runners up. I can't talk tonight, um, but <laughs> but um, that that I'm, I'm just gonna that I'm just going to take with me for for quite a long time and movies that really moved me. Like there's, I get emotional about movies. I think we all do um, in for different reasons, but I think this time um, there, there were certain genres that I'm like, I normally don't feel this emotional about this type of movie, but boom, Mm -hmm. I am on the couch just like, Oh my God, like this is, how's this movie not been in my life? So it was, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it it was, it was a really, appreciative year for me cinematically speaking so uh, i'm really excited to know what my uh my my amazing friend carmelita is gonna you know throw out here uh what what zingers and wild cards she has um and yeah I'm some I'm of just... these are wild <laughs> <laughs> i i can believe and... it i can believe it <laughs> i'm excited i'm excited
1: me too i'm very excited okay uh I guess we'll jump right into it. So, yeah, again, I mean, I think you guys know the only rule, just not from 2023. It could be from any other year. And that's it. Just haven't haven't seen it before. That's it. So we will jump right in. Uh, I'll start with Carmelita. What is your number 10 on your discoveries list?
2: All right. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is a wild one. Oh, okay. So number 10 spot is who killed teddy bear? From 1965.
0: Interesting.
1: The looks to <laughs> me <and Preston's> <laughs> it was like, It's ah. directed
2: by Joseph Cates, who only directed a handful of films. Screenplay by Arnold Drake and Leon Tekatian. It stars Sal Minio, Jan Murray. You've never seen Sal Mineo like this. You think you know Sal Minio. You don't know Sal Minio until you've seen Who Killed Teddy Bear. So, <laughs> The premise of this film is it it follows a a police detective and he's like a single dad and he's just like, you know, this kind of brooding 60s cop. And he's brought in to help this young woman. She's a DJ in this bohemian nightclub. She starts getting these obscene phone calls And he's trying to help her find out who this sex maniac is, who's calling her. And from the calls, it really sounds like this person is following her like she's being stalked. This film is black and white, really crisp, beautiful. And there's all these like very dreamy sequences. A lot of the times when we're we're hearing the phone calls from this obscene caller and everything gets kind of dreamy and and the face of the of the caller is obscured but you can see they're in their creepy little apartment <laughs> being gross their
1: creep factory <laughs> uh yeah
2: <laughs> it's 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 wild it's eerie <laughs> like that you know that someone's being followed mm-hmm. you know and and this this young woman getting these phone calls and i don't know this doesn't happen anymore right now i guess the equivalent today would be getting random dick pics in your dms or something would be the equivalent
1: <laughs> but it's back in be, the day yeah yeah you'd People be at home and the phone would
2: ring yeah. and it'd be some creep breathing heavy into the phone saying all kinds of <laughs> filthy stuff to you that used to happen and so that took me back too to when <laughs> we used to get obscene phone calls
0: Wait, but is Sal Minio the is Sal Minio? I'm not the gonna creep? tell
2: you who. I'm not gonna tell oh, you goodness. who. Okay. It's a mystery. Oh
0: okay. but I'm just gonna oh, say okay. Salminio
2: is in this and like he's a suspect. There's lots of suspects, but like you've never seen Salminio like this.
1: Wow. I'm not sure I've seen Sal Minio. Who is Salminio?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Have you yeah. seen
1: a Rebel Without, without a Cause? I never, I never seen it, remember? Because I'm going to oh see it my
3: God.
2: for the first
1: time. Oh, that's for, right. Christine, okay, well. Rebel at a Cause. Yeah, you have double. homework to do. Maybe I told Preston that where I was like, I've never seen Rebel at a, a Cause. Um, no, I. That
0: surprised uh, me. That re- well, well I don't- You, you did say well. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll, well, we'll we'll get to it on the episode. But yeah, <laughs>
2: It's kind of sad about Sal Salminio. He didn't have as long of a career as he probably should have.
0: Okay. He always
2: had that baby face. And um, I think in his personal life, I think his sexuality became an issue. Um, He found it hard to get work, but he was great and he's great in Who Killed Teddy Bear. And so this this film has got this whole psychological thing and it's got the creep factor of the obscene phone calls and the stalking. And it's just it's a good time.
1: Okay, oh, yeah, never heard of it. Uh, have yeah. not seen a movie with Salminio or 90V. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll take over this job on this episode. I'm gonna tell people where they can stream stuff that you guys mentioned. Oh, cool. Uh, okay, this is on, I think it's only available uh, on 2B or FreeV or something called Filmbox, which I think is through Amazon Prime, but it is otherwise. I don't think you can like pay to rent it. I think you have to have one of those services. So I thought so you were gonna free. tell me there's nowhere to watch this. So, yeah, it's free, it's yeah. free to so, experience. <laughs> God bless Tubi every time. <laughs> uh, okay, that's. Uh, can you say you say the whole teddy bear part? Is that a spoiler to say who, why is it called Who Killed Teddy Bear, or is that?
2: <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you. Okay. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> I'm intrigued. Like I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm intrigued. The title, anyways, right? By, yeah. By by the yeah. title, just the fact that. It's, I mean, I'm a. I mean, I don't think it's a secret that I'm a big mystery hound. Like any yeah. any mystery of any kind, I just. I just adore uh, Salminio. Really intrigues me, um, especially like a, I, I really like uh, I really like like watching older movies and or movies before the '70s and figuring out how actors who uh, had queer identity really work to either use that to their advantage, and the audience at the time didn't know, or they work their that way into their performance and the subtext of the character that they're playing. It's very uh interesting to me um and uh salminio yeah i mean because uh, i i yeah I, I i grew up with him in real a cause i'm trying to i don't want to just like research everything but like what what other movies is he big movies is he in carmelie i'm trying to remember
2: i off the top of my head
1: is he I
0: in west side story it. or
1: he was in that movie giant which i think also had james <laughs> Yeah,
2: he oh, was in Giant.
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh
1: he's going he ha- escape from planet <laughs> of the apes
2: he was he was in exodus he oh yeah i forgot he was in the greatest story ever told oh with my <laughs> uh, own personal uh, jesus max von Sydow <laughs> <laughs> no when i picture jesus i picture max von Sydow in that movie
0: i get you know what he might be it's been forever since I've seen that movie because it's it's a big it's one of those those big epics mm-hmm. I grew up with uh, from like the fifties and sixties. But like, man, he might he might be the definitive cinematic portrayal of Jesus. At least he's
2: my Jesus. And Willem <laughs> Willem Dafoe is up there too. Oh, Last yeah. Temptation of Christ. Amen. But you no, know, when someone says Jesus, <laughs> I picture Max von Sydow.
0: Interesting. True story. Well, well, this. <laughs> This Who Killed Teddy Bear? I mean, beyond just the title, like it sounds, it sounds really, it sounds like a a mix. Would you say it's a mix of like trashy and classy? Yes. Because it is pre 70s. that's a big
1: theme on our last discovery episode. Yes.
0: (laughs)
2: There's, yeah, there's, there's kind of that, it's trying to give you that grimy city sleaze, you know? It's, yes, there's some of that
0: going on.
1: Okay. So Preston, you haven't even heard of this either, right? You've not heard of this title,
0: never. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm flabbergasted, truly. But that's that's exciting. That's that's what I'm yeah. here for, Carmelia. Like again, you're just full of surprises, man. I love it. I try.
1: Um, that's, that's good. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's see what you let's see what's going on with Preston here. Number ten. If you have one, i never heard of either. <laughs> so, what is your number ten, Preston? <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, maybe. um, I I, I suspect this is one that a lot of listeners um, uh, might not have heard of. Um, It definitely eluded me uh, until just literally this year, and it really knocked my socks off. Um, It's a movie from 1948, directed by Carol Reed, um, of The Third Man, uh, my personal favorite uh, movie from the 40s, not just film noir, but just from that decade. Um, He made another movie right before that called The Fallen Idol. That I'm, a, that I'm a huge fan of, oh yeah, is. yeah, yeah. I, I I I I didn't know if you had seen this or not, but I wasn't sure. But yeah, just yeah, let me let me just say what it's about. Um, <laughs> it follows the young son of a diplomat who often finds himself alone to entertain the boy, the household uh, butler, portrayed by Ralph the great Sir Ralph Richardson. Got but the surname from it, <laughs> creates adventurous stories of his past. As a result, Philippi idolizes the servant, seeing him as a hero. But when the butler's wife falls to her death, and it's a gnarly scene for the time, just putting that out there, um, the the police believe the butler was behind it. So, Philippi, who witnessed the event, will do anything to protect the butler, but he only makes things worse by doing so. And, man, it is an endlessly surprising film. I'm, I'm going to say surprising quite a few times on this list, but, like, I mean, if you know my taste, I don't always... Gravitate to movies for for plot twists or surprises. In fact, sometimes I welcome movies sticking by convention. That's just the the writer in me. But the thing about this movie that got me, well, f- for a number of reasons. For one thing, there's not a lot of film noirs about children, and I call it well. I get the I can't claim to use this uh, vernacular. It comes from Eddie Muller, who's the czar of noir for turn classic movies. He calls it fairy tale noir. And mm. only a very few segment of movies from the uh, film noir movies from the 40s and the 50s fall into that. Uh, "Nye the Hunter" is the perhaps the most famous and probably the the best one uh, still to this day. Um, there's also another movie that Ted Tatslav, the cinematographer of a lot of RKO movies back then, directed called "The Window." Uh, uh, actually that eating. you know, and that <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it falls into that. This one, I think, is 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 right up there with Night the Hunter, in my opinion, in terms of being one of the most using genre to to talk about childhood in in a very layered manner. And especially with the lack of a father figure in the upper class culture, British culture, mind you. And then just from that youthful vantage point where you're still impressionable. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's kind of a. It's a murder mystery that's way less interested in the, the perpetration. Um, there's way more betrayal between the characters who face one another, like they flip flop constantly. Um, and why adults, this is why I think is beautiful about it is that the movie almost doesn't judge, in my opinion, um, uh, why adults do what they do. Um, because the, the child's vantage point, even though it's honest, even though it's, it's, it, it can be brutal because of that truthfulness, there's also that, like, oh, man, like, I, what led, what led to these key moments uh, is really profound. And, um, but, you know, not just talking about profundity. the movie's entertaining as fuck. Like, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, Carol Reed directs the hell out of it. It was the, the movie where I was like, I, because even though I love The Third Man, I've only seen barely a handful of Carol Reed movies. But every time I do, I'm like, dude, you're kind of one of the, the best noir directors of all time I, I used to think it was Nicholas Ray as my number one favorite and I think him, he might be my number two now just based on the strength of these three uh, uh read noir films but uh Carmelia is nodding which makes me happy because <laughs> I trust her taste and it sounds like she's also a fan of this one
2: so this was a first time watch for me this year it's on my honorable mentions oh for
0: tonight wow. nice nice wow. okay okay right. so yeah I, it here. didn't good.
2: Uh, <laughs> i am there for a little bit i thought i was gonna put it on the 10 i was like no i'm gonna move it to the honorable mentions but yes for all the reasons you said there's something it's got that noir sensibility but yes like, like the that kind of almost fairy tale aspect of it because it's from the perspective of a child yeah. and and seeing how this child is dealing with these very grown-up situations yeah and he doesn't fully understand what's going on not just because there's a mystery but because he's a child and and, you know he's he's trying to make sense of the things that the adults do and he has no guile like he doesn't know to lie when he gets asked (laughs) questions or you know like he just it's it's really beautifully done and the kid is not annoying so if there's anyone out there that's like, oh God kids in oh, movies
3: yeah. oh.
2: this kid is is real sweet he's not annoying and this is coming from me who gets very annoyed by children in movies so
1: <laughs> Gonna say, I, that means a lot. I feel like you've mentioned this before, so I'm like the fact yes. that you're like he's not annoying. I'm like that's that's I know
2: I didn't want to throw him out the window.
1: That's good. I thought he was a very,
2: <laughs> I thought he was a very sweet child, and his relationship with this butler, this man who's like a father figure to him, was very sweet. It was that's
0: great. I can imagine Carmelia watching this movie going, "Why it had to be the wife? Why couldn't it be that damn kid?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> In some other um, film, I mean. I would I might have had those thoughts but this the casting of this child and the way he was written very endearing you're rooting for this kid to be okay
0: there's a there's a there's a David Lean and and i know i know i know the the group likes to make fun of me for my david lee obsession i get it but uh there, I there's mean, like not david... me
2: because i'm with you
1: i was like not me because i don't know how many david lee movies i've seen so <laughs> please i gotta watch live wire five more times um so <laughs> there's no time for these long epics
0: <laughs> hey they're not all long. The, the, they're not all long. i know i know Oh, yeah. I but... really
1: thought I'd watch Lawrence of Arabia before this episode, but I did not get around <laughs> to it. I keep, I keep Maybe trying. next year. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Now it's like year. end of the year catching up on 2023 stuff. I'm like, I look at the Blu-ray. I'm like, you wait, Lawrence of Arabia. I'll get I'll get to you next year. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, well, I'm going to watch it.
0: <laughs> I only invoke Lean uh, in this case because there's a sensitivity. I think Carol Reed has this characters. I, I don't think you see it as much in The Third Man, which is which is probably why it's his most popular because it's very cynical for a British film at the time. It's very uh, tongue in his cheek, that kind of thing. And there's a cheekiness to the, the Fallen Idol, but definitely more of a of a warmth in a in a in a weird way to to the Fallen Idol that I think um, people who, if you're not in the mood for a, a super cynical crime film, but something that doesn't betray itself, I think this falls right into it. And again, I'm super happy Carmelie is a fan. So um, this was. A, a pretty. Th- this was like a like a a, a four point five for me on on Letterboxd. I, I absolutely love it. I really do. So I
1: think I mentioned it in my honorable mentions. The Third Man I saw for the first time this year, nice. uh, which was amazing. Uh, I was yes. so well shot. Like it was like I was like, why don't all movies look this good? And so it's a lot to ask. But uh, and, uh, and <laughs> the crazy thing is that I have not heard of the Fallen Idol till yesterday because I was listening to the new F this movie episode and rosalie lewis brought it up and made it sound you know super interesting too so i'd already written it down like my watch list so um now that it's like three of you recommending it it's gonna go like the universe the
2: is screaming at you top
1: yes i need to watch it as soon as possible um so yeah it, it's just so crazy you said it, i was like i just heard the movie like the first time yesterday so um that's awesome okay i'm yeah that's definitely gonna get pushed way to the top so um all right very cool um Okay, we're going to go back to Carmelita. Your number oh, nine. Yes.
3: <laughs>
2: this. It's not often that I get creeped out watching movies. Nope.
3: Okay, Because, you know, oh. I
2: have a high tolerance. I watch a lot of creepy stuff. This movie, the antagonist in this film creeped me the hell out. I was my skin felt like it was crawling. It's the shout from 1978. No,
1: never Crickets? heard of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I'm going to IDB look it up. Uh, the shout. It's
2: uh it's from the UK.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Directed oh, by okay. I'm gonna butcher this name. Apologies <laughs> to him. <laughs> directed by Jersey Skolomowski. Mm.
3: Uh
2: he also wrote the screenplay with Michael Austin. It stars Alan Bates, John Hurt, Susanna York, Robert Stevens, Tim Curry. Oh, so. In the shout. A a strange man wanders into this, this small town, seaside town in the United Kingdom. And it's played. He's played by Alan Bates. And he's very odd. And he takes an interest in this couple um John Hurt plays the uh the husband and this guy claims to have spent the last like 18 years in Australia or New Zealand one of those countries with the aboriginal people and that he has learned this magic that he can shout and kill you instantly and <laughs> This man becomes obsessed with this couple, obsessed with the man's wife, and he keeps threatening them with this magical shout, this aboriginal magic that he learned. That if you cross him, if you get in his way, he can use this shout and kill
0: you. That's very folk horror in a way. Yes,
2: it is very folk horror. You got like the weird appropriation thing. That this white man is is using aboriginal or claiming to use aboriginal magic and he's using it for these nefarious purposes. You've got the it's like this this guy who just inserts himself. He just invites himself in. He invites himself to stay over. He won't leave. (laughs) And the the well-mannered couple. Very polite and nice And try to be hospitable and this man is a habitual line stepper he just keeps (laughs) (laughs) he keeps crossing the line Uh, and they can't seem to get rid of him and he's dangling this this ominous threat of the shout which they don't fully know if they believe but if it's real do you really want to take a chance this man's going to open his mouth and drop you dead so right yeah yeah it's a it's great it's really great it's not a perfect film but it's got that folk horror thing that i love alan bates and john hurt are great in this alan bates is like a super creep (laughs) (laughs) i mean it just shivers in your down your spine just like oh my god run for your life it's yeah wow it's a good time
0: I I love that you mentioned that because like I always love it when um, thriller and horror fans like say like hey like I don't get scared because again you consume a lot of th- those those types of movies so when you get creeped out like that's how I know like okay like this 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 means some shit <laughs> and <laughs> the fact that for one thing that cast is ridiculous like yes. what the hell dude and <laughs> lastly uh, I might have told you uh, this Carmelia like maybe a few months back or earlier this year but like. Like I feel like I folk horror is one of the 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 subgenres that I think I might be into if I watch more of it because like I love The Wicker Man, um, I like Midsummer a lot, um, and and there's just not enough folk horror that I've seen. But like it just sounds intriguing, like the harmoniousness of music and and the 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 mix of diegetic sounds and and music. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It it just that sounds very again like. You, you said it's not a perfect movie, but the fact that it, it probably so, it's probably a situation where the the craft and the the acting probably rises. It probably makes it that much better. It sounds
2: absolutely like. yes, most definitely yeah. The cast is they're amazing, they're great, and yeah, there's just and it's the landscape because this is a small town in England, so it's you know you get that like where is there to run to, where is there mm-hmm. to go, like you know, so it's. It's great. So you get to have that rural seaside atmosphere and you get the the dynamics between this couple and this interloper that has come into their home. And it's just it's very cool. And and Tim Curry, you get a little bit of Tim Curry. It's a small role <laughs> for him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but you get to see him in a cricket
1: uniform. So Oh, if that's your thing very specific that's niche then watch that's the, that's the that's shout that's uh someone's like i've always wanted to see him in a cricket uniform and they're like finally <laughs> uh go watch the shout um i realized i already did a bad job because i didn't say where fallen idol could be watched uh you can i think rent it it looks like anywhere like pay rent it the shout you can't pay to rent but you can watch it on criterion channel or Tubi or freebie mm. or even like the shout factory tv streaming channel which i always forget the thing um Never heard of the shout, which is always. This is the kind of thing that's crazy to me. Like with the cast of people that are pretty well known, and then I've never heard of the movie. Literally. it's it's only from nineteen. It's not that old. It's nineteen seventy eight. Um, never heard of it. It's like, how does this stuff? I mean, we feel like we're you know movie people, and there's still all the stuff I have not even heard of. Um, does sound super interesting. I wonder. Like, the guy came in my house and said that. I feel like this guy's full of shit, but I'll also be like, I don't want to push it. Like, I don't want to test
0: it. <laughs> like. <laughs> I'll yeah, the hook. Sure that's done,
1: that's a good the hook. hook
0: makes like, it like where he's kind of a meniscus, like he's just dangling, like the, just the yes. his very presence is just dangling behind you, like 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 that. So, yeah, <laughs> wow. that's yeah, man. That I mean that that premise and and just I mean respect to you, Carmelia, but the way you you talked about that movie, it sounded creepy to me. So it is. You did your job. <laughs> you did your job it's sell good. I want to see it. I really do. I really do. It's on my yeah. list. And I hope y'all don't Highly mind recommend. if I Oh, perfect. And I hope y'all don't mind if I, like, write stuff down. I just want to, you know, like, keep a keep a list of what no, Anita says do. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So
1: I was going to have you both recap your top ten at the end, too, because I forgot to do that on the last episode. I felt really bad <laughs> because we run through all these titles, and sometimes yeah. people imagine at the end, they're like, what did they talk about? I'm like, it's over. I even had Daniel and Keith go back and record a little separate snippet where we all do our top tens and I accidentally deleted that file. So oh, no. Yeah. Wow. So sorry, everybody who was like, Well, I I've I've got things. that.
2: I've got a little list ready to go. And also on Letterboxd made two lists, one for my discoveries and one for my honorable mentions. Oh. Which nice. I can share with you to, oh, to make your life fantastic. easier.
1: Okay. Um, Perfect. Okay. The shout. I'm excited to watch that too. This this is <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh Preston, what is your number nine?
0: All right, so um, I've got to get some 1930s up in this up in this piece. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you know me. I love I love old Hollywood, and um, this is not the only melodrama that's on this list. Um, but and, but this is one of the, the most unique ones that I saw last year. And believe it or not, there's only two that made my list. So um, this is uh this this made the cut in a big way. It is uh, Frank Bresaje's 1937 uh, romantic drama. Slash comedy, slash noir, slash disaster movie. History is made at night. Um, it stars Gene Arthur, who, um, is the wife of uh, a really wealthy and cruel businessman. Um, who's essentially he might as well be 1930s Donald Trump, why not? Um, <laughs> just because just he, he's so vile and he's played by uh Frankenstein's Colin Clive, and um. And so she plans to divorce him, and so uh, she sends uh, his chauffeur to her Paris hotel room so that he can catch her in a compromising position. And so uh, she basically stages <laughs> uh, she, she basically stages a whole thing where um, a, a thief, who's played by Charles Boyer uh, uh, from Gaslight and uh, movies like mm-hmm. that, uh, Clooney Brown uh, Love Affair. And uh, just a, just a tremendous uh, French actor, I believe, or actor of French descent. Um, he plays the thief, and he reveal he reveals to Irene after the whole botch setup goes goes down that he overheard the plot uh, on her record and really wants to help. And so, what ends up happening is that they end up falling in love. Colin Clive catches wind of that, and like you'd expect. Um, Victor Frankenstein from the original Frankenstein and do he tries to sabotage their love and they end up on top of a, of a yacht so the movie go just goes full Titanic um, and hence the disaster movie component and the first off with the uh, with the comparison to disaster films of, of yesteryear the 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 effects really like are are staggering like they're really astonishing for a movie of the time uh, It reminds me of a 1930s. It's a movie I saw in college. It's it's honestly not a great film, but uh, it's called Deluge, where uh, I believe it was the first movie to depict in history to depict uh, an entire city being like torn apart, and mm. lots of great mall work, lots of great splicing with people. This one I think takes that and gives it a, a really genuine story. Um, like everyone says that like Jimmy Stewart had like just endless chemistry with every actress. I think Gene Arthur is really underrated as far as chemistry with every actor that she came across like literally like charles boyer in what's now become my favorite performance of his um not my favorite movie of his but performance um is just electric it's just literally jonesing all over your body every time they're on screen and there's a bit of darkness not because not just because of colin clive but the fact that he's a thief he's honestly kind of a kind of a despot in in a lot of ways in this later depression era period. So you understand where he's coming from with what he does, but you also are aware that, Hey, this guy looks like Charles boy. He can, he can get a, a full-time job and actually keep it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and um, it, it just blew me away with the genres that it mixed. And there's some really great dialogue that it's not pre-code technically, but it feels very pre-code because of how lewd and just how much uh, Brzeige, uh does with it. And, um, um he directed another movie uh too that i saw for the first time a couple of years ago called the moral storm it's a uh, it's kind of a shop around the uh shop around the corner reunion for people who are fans of okay. that movie because it's uh jimmy stewart and margaret sullivan in the same year as that and he's playing um um i believe he's playing a uh either a nazi or a jew who's having to it's either one of those two it's it's been a while but um it's it's a war war it's it it, you would think it's a world war ii propaganda film and it kind of is because it came out like right at the beginning of the world war but um it it just what it does for the time is uh or just the content is is really interesting and uh yeah i mean history is made at night um uh i have the the criterion now um it was recommended to me from a friend of mine and uh, it's a beautiful set um yeah, I look forward to digging to the special features at, at at a certain point. I just think it's a it's a really satisfying movie that if, even if you don't think you're into melodramas, if you're into adventure and thievery and people being, you know, terrible to one another on top of great true love. It's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Uh,
1: so to no one's shock, I'm sure I have not seen this movie. <laughs> Because I haven't seen a lot of <laughs> 30s melodramas or 30s movies in general. Uh haven't heard of it. I don't think I've even heard I don't think I've heard of it. Um and it looks like it's only streaming on Criterion Channel. So it looks like you have to buy the Blu-ray or go to get Criterion Channel to watch it because it's nowhere That's how else. I saw it. Yeah. Um, but it sounds interesting. I like that it has other components to it. It's not just a like just a melodrama. It's got these other things going on. Um, so it sounds cool. Carmelita, have you seen this?
2: I haven't. I had heard of it. But not seen it and you sold it my friends especially <laughs> with the disaster component
0: yeah that was that was interesting it was like wait a minute yeah the, th- <laughs> the third act goes goes eight it really, it, it really <laughs> it, 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 i really i really can't oversell like just how it, but it's not one of those things where it's a tonal whiplash like um referencing our last conversation we had a year ago about uh, a certain Schmitten and um anymore? <laughs> something else you know... Oh
1: god, he appropriated more culture, didn't he? Damn it, Quinton. Stop it.
0: <laughs> He's persona non grata on film piece. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, um, no, but but no, there's no there there the the, the tonal switching is very smooth, like genuinely. Like in nice. it, and yeah, so it's it's it it pulls you into the to the romance, but also I think it helps that. The two people are just like they're very flawed, and it's two brilliant actors really elevating them and making them not insufferable. Because Colin Clive is again his universal monster creepiness is a thing, and like what he does in the movie, especially when it gets to the 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 close of the film, is super just dastardly. So I, I love I loved it for that.
2: Okay, excellent. All right.
0: you, you sold it very well. You sold it very well. Going cool
2: on my watch list.
1: Because I think if I just heard about it and read like a synopsis, I'd be like, I don't know if I want to see that. But you talking about it makes me want to see it now. So,
0: well, because even the cover on the Criterion doesn't do it justice. Yeah, like, I, it, I, it, I've it, seen it that just...
1: Criterion. Now that you pointed at it, but it never really caught my eye. Like it just never. I was like, oh, that's some yeah. old like romance. I don't know what you know. I didn't know what it even. Is. It <laughs> sorry, I just <laughs> cool guys with guns. That's um, honest.
2: You're being real. <laughs>
1: sure oh sure. uh, yeah so it just never left off the the shelf now i saw it i was like okay i think i've seen that cover but um but it's on my list now they're, they're all on my list unless somebody unless when he tells me matt you're not gonna like this don't watch it but i feel like i'm gonna put everything on my list um <laughs> some people have said like matt you're not gonna like this don't don't even bother <laughs> but um but yeah all right good stuff carmelita your number eight discovery
2: okay friend you've seen this one
1: I'm so excited. Okay, <laughs> this is great. You've
2: seen this one. And I finally pulled the trigger on this one because you mentioned it on a Film oh. Feast yeah. while talking about the late, great William Friedkin. Oh.
1: <laughs> I think I know what I this watched is. Bug. Oh, okay. I, 2006. Oh. I thought you were going to say Sorcerer for some reason. A Bug is... No. Also... <laughs> bug I watched is Bug. Something. Go ahead. I don't know what y'all
2: So, Bug, directed by William Friedkin, written by Tracy Letts, based on Bug by Tracy Letts. Stars, (laughs) oh my goodness, Ashley Judd, we got Michael Shannon, and we got Harry Connick Jr. So, no, this film, oh my God. (laughs) I loved this. I love this. (laughs) Just the madness. Madness.
1: Real madness, (laughs) yeah.
2: It's it's kind of like uh it's like if there was an episode of the X Files, but Mulder and Scully never show up to solve it.
1: it. Wow, that's a really good description. Wow,
2: Ashley Judd plays Agnes, she's a waitress living in a motel, and she's had a rough life, she's meets this man who's quiet, mysterious, seems like a nice guy. She invites him over. He stays over. She's lonely. She wants to get to know him and his peculiarities start to come out. And. He becomes enmeshed in the drama of her life. Her ex gets out of jail. She's got her personal problems. And she becomes enmeshed in his drama, which is very psych of a psychological nature. I don't know if y'all have ever been in the presence of people that are high on methamphetamines. But this movie has that energy. Like if you've ever been in a (laughs) motel room with some people that are high on meth, that's what this movie is like. (laughs) It's. And it's really cool. It's like the, you know, the color scheme, like the color grading on it, it's all very like green and blue. There's like Mm -hmm. this wash over this room and it's, and you're watching these people just feed on each other's energy and, and they're, it's like, it's building all this tension in this room. And and most of the movie happens in the one room,
0: in this motel
2: room that she lives in. Great performances. There's oh, there's like the romance between these people is so like desperate and like you know, just lonely people clinging to each other, and it's intense, very intense. I thought this was incredible. I thought it was great. Thoughts. I-
1: Matt, <laughs> I'm glad you watched it because I, I feel like <laughs> could, I, I could see you liking it. I, I I did think it was good. I think it's funny. I think Daniel, our friend Daniel Epper, was the one that said he hated Bug. I think he hates this movie, which I could totally understand. It's the kind yes, of movie I can
2: completely understand
1: where if somebody said they hated it, I would be like, I get it. There's some movies somebody hated, Fair. Like, like you know, but this is the movie where someone said they hate it. I'm like, I get it. I'm not sure I ever want to even watch it again, but it was like, but it was very interesting experience and it's it plays I don't know if I, I think I this is not very I think I read somebody say this but um it's very interesting how it plays very differently in a post Donald Trump mango world because it's really mm-hmm. about like psychological know, people get sucked into things when they're desperate yes and it's like they believe and the confirmation
2: something. bias once you're looking once you believe yes. you have the answer to something, Now you're seeing the evidence that backs up your theory everywhere you go. Everywhere
1: you go. Yeah. It's way more psychological than I thought. I thought it would be, I don't want to spoil anything, but it was different, a different movie than I expected because it was way more psychological and then physical. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to talk about spoilers, but it's very intriguing, good, really good performances because they don't have. They're just playing off each other. It's mostly Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon, right? A couple of people come in Mm -hmm. and out, but it's it's like could be like a Michael Shannon, man. Like a yeah, he's really good in this. They're both really good. They're really going for it. Like it's very like these are like performances where I feel like they just let go of any kind of like
2: no vanity,
1: no vanity. Yeah, there's no vanity. It's like um, it could be a play very easily because yeah, it's very like stuck in one location, but that just adds to the tension. I was
0: gonna be one of my first questions was is it adapted from a play because Tracy Letts is a playwright I didn't I didn't know he yeah. wrote anything as vile sounding as, as this but <laughs> well because I know he wrote um he wrote the play that Killer Joe was based on and he wrote the script mm. for that as well another freaking kind of uh a freaking that I, that I really like I really like killer Joe a lot yeah and, that movie's uh, insane too <laughs> tracy yeah. let's
1: write some really fucked up stuff <laughs>
0: like which is uh, weird because of the type of actor that the type of yeah. movies that he's in like uh yeah like because i'm just because i literally rewatched little women last week and i'm just getting i'm just getting like okay that guy wrote bug interesting all right dude cool <laughs> he just but, seems um, like
1: an accountant like he just seems so like a normal <laughs> guy <laughs> Like and he writes all the most fucked up stuff I've ever seen. Like, um, like this man is so mild mannered. Like he works at like TurboTax and like, what's going on? Um, TurboTax.
3: And,
1: and, uh, god, it's just tax so season is coming. It's coming.
0: He's getting ready. Uh, it's his other job. He's doing taxes uh, and then like his like night job is like, all right, like I gotta write the fried chicken on this. And
1: that's part. right. Yeah. He's writing the fried chicken scene. He's like, god damn, these taxes. I'm write a fried chicken. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh god um it, yeah I the bug <sighs> is super interesting i think if you watch that lens of like people falling into believing stuff that to most people would seem ludicrous <laughs> but it's like it makes it where you understand why that's happening mm-hmm. to the character and it's like confirmation bias that like carmelia said um yeah it's good it's really interesting um i think you would like it preston <laughs> i'm not sure like I'm not even sure how, like, enjoyable it is as a movie. Like, I, for me, personally, I was like, you know, where you're like, I'm not going to throw on Bug casually. Like, oh, I'm just going to relax. Like, you know, it's, but it's really good. Um, so I watched I it, it in the type... morning
2: while I ate breakfast.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> what a way to start. The oh, my goodness, man. So that's that's that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's how I am.
3: That's how I am. No,
1: but I before I forget, it's streaming on Prime. and I think that was and roku channel <laughs> and, okay. and pluto tv if you have that but yeah i think it's, it's been on prime for a while i think i watched it there like months ago whenever i saw it so um
0: it's good that might be that might be one of the first ones irregardless of the content like that might be one of the first ones i watch because i i've heard the name Buck for a while um and freaking's a a, a a guy that i really respect and and yeah um, like even some of his most controversial movies, there's actually one that's going to pop up in Marvel mentions. I'm um, just going to give that away. But I feel like giving that away because like that's, again, he passed away this year, rest yeah. in peace to a legend, um, Just very important to the horror genre, the action genre, thrillers, um, and just a really interesting guy um, all around. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely, I will absolutely watch this movie, Carmelita, despite how messed up it probably is. <laughs>
1: yeah i'm curious i'll be curious your thoughts when you watch it so um okay all right cool i'm glad i've i've seen one that you've mentioned carmelita this is good okay so uh preston what is your number eight
0: all right so this number eight this one really surprised me and i think uh i think i saw this back in Uh, no later than March this year. So it's clearly stuck with me for a while. It's a movie I've watched twice now. And uh, if people don't know, I, who are listening to this, I went on a huge Western binge uh, from really last December um, all the way to uh, up until like about the beginning of summer. Um, And I watched, I went to Letterboxd and checked today. I watched 57 Westerns this year.
2: Oh, wow. Uh, Wow.
0: Yeah. 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 And uh
1: Tato's nightmare.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Christopher Tile <laughs> put me on mute. He was like yeah. Western, all right. But he's like enough um, of these westerns so. <laughs> <laughs> But uh it, it's interesting because uh, much like the melodramas, only two Westerns made my list, which is which is which is wild to me. But yeah, um the the first so the last time I was on film beast, I think I mentioned like I'm not always the biggest John Ford fan. A year later, that has changed. <laughs> because of my western binge um i don't know man it was like uh uh ever since i saw uh how grew is my valley i went back and actually re-watched uh, before my episode that i do with lexi about the searchers this year i went back and re-watched uh, one of his like uh movies with henry fonda shirley temple and john wayne is in it but he's not in it like he's not at the fore basically mm-hmm. and, and i was just like okay this is almost like a political horror film this is this is not hmm. even it's like a war western uh it's called fort apache brilliant movie that's not that's not on my list oh, but okay. <laughs> it is one of my favorites of his it is one of my favorites of his but number eight on this list tonight is john ford's 1950 wagon master and um it's interesting because this is known as one of his most uh, unknown or undervalued movies, and it was actually John Ford's favorite of his that he ever directed. He said wow. that in quite a few interviews. And uh, if people don't know, it's kind of a fictionalization of uh, the Mormons' version of Westward Expansion back in the early eighteen um, early eighteen hundreds. Oh. And uh, it's a it's about a Mormon wagon train led by Ward Bond. First off, one of his best performances. I'm just going to put that out there. And uh, and Word Bond has a, like a guide to your resume. But um, and when this group of Mormons is forced out of town for their religious beliefs, he hires horse traders to guide the outcast to the San Juan Valley. And they encounter a lot of outlaws, a lot of stranded show people um, of obviously Native Americans and very all-encompassing geography. Um, and the two horse traders in the film one of which does his own stunts, and he is a boss at him, is uh, Harry Carey Jr., who did train, who actually trained, uh, no, excuse me, Harry Carey Sr. trained John Wayne. Harry Carey Jr. is his son. Hmm. And uh, the other is played by no one other than Ben Johnson, which if you have seen Westerns, I don't care if you are into (laughs) Spaghetti's, Revisionist, you've seen Ben Johnson in a movie, for sure. And uh, he is far and away, like, this movie doesn't have for its usual collaborator, but I think it's a great trade-off because you're getting at least two really tremendous performances, um, especially from Ben Johnson, who is silent for a while of the movie, like not uh, completely taciturn. Like he has speaking lines and whatnot. He has a great buddy, almost like a buddy comedy uh, camaraderie with Ward uh, Bond, like where he's the elder state, statesman and Ben is like this like rodeo guy who's like jumping from horse to horse and just like... <laughs> Completely, like, there's one part where he has to, like, literally uh, uh, distract these Native Americans. So he runs on a horse to get them away from the Mormons, runs them back into a different direction. And there's, like, this big, like, dust bowl around uh, in the background that is one of the most beautiful shots I've seen in the 50s Western. Um, And I've really become a bigger, even bigger fan of of 50s Westerns. I love old Westerns. I like revisionist Westerns, but I'm not going to lie, part of what killed my binge earlier this year was that I watched a lot of the non Peckinpah Leone stuff, you know, the good stuff. And I was like, okay, this is what killed the genre. All right. This is what, this is, this is how, this is how Star Wars happened. All right, cool. Uh, not, not, not happen, not happen. Like, like I love Star Wars, but, but in terms of, in terms of, okay, this is what killed this genre to make way for the sci-fi blockbuster. That's why. I mean. oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I please don't crucify <laughs> <find> me. <laughs> I, listen,
1: I, Andy and Chris are crying somewhere. They are.
0: I, why would you say this? On <laughs> no, no. But, but <sighs> something I said last year about one of the things I didn't like about uh, How Green Was My Value, uh, seeing that for the first time, was that I thought the singing was a little overbearing and kind of corny. The, there is singing in this movie because they they pick up some showmen but the singing i think is befitting of the pulp aspect like this Mm. is one of those movies where um because of the the subject matter it's not afraid to be dark but it's more of an exploratory film so you're getting you're getting way more surprises than you would alba alba general western you're getting gorgeous cinematography um it's written by the same gentleman uh who i think was one of the writers and the searchers so it has that bite to it and Mm honestly, it's just re- it was just really refreshing to see like the bank robbery at the beginning, um, the dastardly bandits. The, the, they have that in the movie. There are these Western tropes that Ford is distilling down into something that's very, very small scale and something that I think allows him to, through its lack of ambition compared to some of the bigger classics, but I think because of that lack of ambition, I think it allows him to have richer characters than I think people might expect. So mm. uh, I'm a huge fan of Wagamaster. It's in my top 10 50s westerns now uh, in my top three um uh, hot take so yeah loved it
2: never wow. heard of it never seen it you've intrigued me especially <laughs> with like the unusual twist that it's it's the Mormon migration like that's really interesting mm-hmm. J- so John Wayne isn't in this right
0: <laughs> not at all not at all
2: okay I might actually watch it then <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah when somebody like listen i i said about the searchers like he surprised me with how good he is in the searchers but if someone says he's not in something i'm not going to be like oh no john wayne's not in this movie like it's not it's not like a a negative if he doesn't show up so like i
2: said i, I just can't
0: well you're getting mormons not pilgrims so that's one thing there um, you go <laughs>
1: That's <laughs> how wasn't able to it. be like, what you say there, Mormons? That's my bad Halloween impressions. Uh just mumble. Uh it's terrible. I'm so sorry. Uh you
2: know like, I love the impressions, so I well, appreciate
1: it. Usually better than that. That was bad. no one encouraged that. Um I'll do better, I promise. Um, so I never heard of it. I've never seen it. Uh now these songs you speak of. Are talking good- <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was really intrigued you said that i was like oh no <laughs> please tell me they're like performing on a stage or something or how how many musical numbers are there Any no specific? no it's, it's not a musical
0: i, I, okay. I assure sure it's not a musical um it, it's one of those things where the way i the way i like to <laughs> describe it if i had to describe it it's kind of like this entire movie is if you took the Western tropes from every single like parody, every single TV show of the time, which sounds like a recipe for disaster. So the songs are in there um, and they are, there's only about like three, if I had to say. In, in and in for one thing, it's like an 80 minute movie. So it's not oh, even, it's like barely okay. cracking 90 minutes. I'm um, back again. Have nice. the, yeah, it, um, it's on Warner Archive. It's a beautiful, the second time I watched it was on this disc. Um, it's a really beautiful transfer that they did. Um, and, uh, um, but they, they're so, <sighs> Matt, they're just so jolly. Like, but you, you need a break after like, ben johnson like kills a motherfucker you know but you know it's I mean, just i it don't just know what's
1: john wick four and there's no break in that for three <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: lots of stairs
1: that, if but they, no breaks. break yes, a lot of stairs no, can you imagine if they had a musical song break in john wick <laughs> just like everybody sits down and kind of pulls out a guitar and it's like let's just chill out for a moment um, i wouldn't no, be
0: surprised because that movie is like the kitchen sink of the series like yeah. it's just like everything yeah. that last everything.
2: one for sure
0: yeah. 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 Put everything into that one.
1: Um no, I'm giving you I'm just giving you a hard time. I put it on the list. It sounds very interesting. I can handle a song or two. I'm okay. Uh but I just thought it was funny. I was like all that and it was like and some songs and I was like wait, what? No.
0: <laughs> oh no, it's 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 not a musical. It's it's very it's very and I I've talked about like my relationship with musicals like on a recent podcast. Uh, so like it's to me it's very natural again, there's a reason for it. There's a purpose. It does not dominate the film. It has a score, <laughs> <This is laughs> and good. and yeah, like I said, the action, the adventure, uh, just the dark places it's not willing to go to, but does it linger on? It is is very much speaks to what I like about the genre. So yeah, um, Wagon Master, it's 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 dope. Okay, cool. Next. I also
1: looked up; it's not streaming free anywhere, but you can pay to rent it like any place. So um, it's out there. It's not like it's hard to find. I don't think so. Um... Okay, all right, Carmelita, you're number seven.
2: So, this was one that I have been hearing about ever since I was a kid and had just never seen it. The Day of the Jackal from
1: 1973. Oh, okay, okay. I've heard of this forever too. I
2: had (laughs) never seen it. Can you believe that?
0: I can't go. I've never seen it either,
1: Carmelita. (laughs) So...
3: So
2: directed by Fred Zinneman, uh, screenplay by Kenneth Ross, based on the book, The Day of the Jackal, by Frederick Forsyth, stars Edward Fox, Alan Bedell, Tony Brighton, Cyril Cusack, uh, Delphine Searing. So an international assassin, codenamed The Jackal, has been hired to kill the president of France and the french officials are trying to foil the plan but what's great about this what i loved about this a the jackal the titular jackal played by edward fox is so fucking cool <laughs> he's like <laughs> so cool like i want him to get away with it i want him <laughs> to kill this man and get away with it cuz he's just so cool and i i've got this thing about i love films where a professional a skilled professional goes through all the minutiae of how they do their work. And when you're watching a highly skilled person at their job and all of the intricacies that their job entails and all the little details that they're... And we see that here with this international assassin who is showing us exactly how he goes about trying to complete this job which is by all accounts really sketchy it's got to be like down to the every last second everything has to go exactly right and so you're just watching him work i enjoyed it so much and i knew i I mean i knew that i would i had heard about this movie and his reputation i had just never got to it but i don't know if i really I don't know if I was really prepared for like how engaged I would be in all the minutiae of what he's doing. And then also there's some great little action sequences, you know, car chases and the officials shooting at cars. And, you know, it's, I just had a really good time with this.
0: It's okay. very densely plotted as yes. well. Like in it, it, cause when you hear the words like thriller, like a spy thriller, a spy action I wouldn't call it an action movie, but it's more, it's definitely an, an action me action adjacent thriller, I guess genres, whatever, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, man, no, this movie, this movie's excellent, like, and I saw that you were, I, I believe this was one of the times where I saw that you were watching it, and I think I either tweet at you, Conver Leader, or I DM'd you, and I was like, hey, like, I uh, I saw this movie, like, a few years ago, it's, it, it's, 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 it's really good, and I tried to play it down, and then you messaged me the, the <laughs> next morning, and you were like, Preston, you underplayed that, like, you <laughs> literally said, <laughs> you underplayed, and i was like yeah cuz i don't want to like hype people up like i'm like okay, of course no i appreciate that yeah yeah but it, no it's it's edward foxman first and foremost like he what i remember from this movie cuz like like i said it's been a few years but he's like an evil james bond because he has <laughs> yes! so much charisma and you want him to succeed but you know he is so like he he's the type of spy who is so good at his job he probably saw things that his government was doing. And so that's why he's doing the opposite of what you'd expect someone of that visage to have. And, um, it's very interesting how it weaves politics and, um, and thrills. Like it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's not a short movie at all, but it flies by. So, uh, it's, it's proof that runtime doesn't always equate to, uh, a movie success. Like this really does make a meal out of itself. And, uh, yeah, Zinneman directs the hell out of it. Carmelita, I'm so happy to see it's on your list. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of this movie.
2: I was so happy to finally experience it and I loved it. <laughs> so good.
1: It sounds right up my alley. This really sounds like I'm gonna enjoy this. I like people being good at their jobs is probably why I like Michael Mann movies so much, because he's obsessed mm-hmm. with people being oh, like yeah.
0: great at their jobs and getting the details. Um it, it feels like a Michael Mann movie. Like if he made a spy movie, cause like it kind of I can see someone being like, "This movie feels detached because there's there's lots of sequences of like where there's not like heavy dialogue. Um, there is dialogue throughout the movie, but like when you're just watching the jackal do his thing, like you almost don't want him to say anything. He just looks cool doing it. <laughs> like uh, he just he looks like us, like a like a yeah, like just like a blonde. Just like oh, I, I don't know. I just love the look of the jackal. I think he's just so cool looking.
2: He could but, hide out in um, my house." <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> the jackal wants to go on the run. He just plays to crash.
0: <laughs> but it it feels it feels like a Michael Mann movie. It really does. It really
2: it really does. Is. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely aspects oh. of that.
1: You know, for some reason, I have mixed up Day of the Jackal with Three Days of the Condor for most of my life. <laughs> well, there's like, animals oh. and there's
2: days. So yeah, I think it's the days and the animals.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did I did just watch Three Days of the Condor after our last Discoveries episode. And that's that's one that I think may have been my honorable mentions because I love Three Days of the Condor. Um it's, really but it's funny because like I, there's like always like these movies that are some reason they're paired together in my mind, like they're like mm-hmm. the same movie, and that just reminded me. But um, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch this one soon because it really does sound like it's like really in my wheelhouse. Um looks like I'm paid to not stream for free, but I can pay to rent anywhere. So Sounds it's pretty worth cool. It. Yeah, it is. It's okay. I'm very excited about that one. So, okay, good stuff. Uh, Preston, what is your number seven?
0: All right. So, <clears throat> um, Daniel mentioned this one on his discoveries list. Um, much like him, this was actually my very first favorite, first time watch of the of the of of this year. It's a uh, a Douglas Sirk movie uh, from 1956 called "There's Always Tomorrow," and. Um, to, to kind of recap the plot or recap the, the synopsis, it is, uh, it stars Fred McMurray, the great Fred, Fred, Fred McMurray. Um, he plays a, uh, a toy inventor who, let me, let me just say this um, <laughs> regarding the plot. Cause it's, cause I think it's something that um, it's easy to dance around when you're talking about the movie, but the movie makes it very clear that not only are this, 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 this guy, he has two children, uh, they're both uh, teenagers or one of them is a preteen. One of them is is a young, almost a young man if he's not already. And his wife uh, works at the house much like any 50s melodrama. But what makes this stand out immediately to me is that it's very clear that one, his kids are just completely terrible to him. Um, and there's nuances to them as to why they act the way they do. However, his wife, on the other hand, they're not they're not making love. They're not there's literally a scene where they're both in bed together again a 50s movie and he's just he's trying to talk to her and she's just like i'm tired i i just kind of want to lay down and he the way douglas search shoots him like he has the saddest look as if he he uh he saw the uh uh, one of the the funerals in imitation life or something like that like he just he just looks so sad um because he's not getting that that uh that masculine aggrandizement that that uh that uh, a man of that time would would need uh, or, or want rather and so he goes on a trip and he runs into an old friend of his who happens to be played by barbara stanwick <clears throat> who's gone on to be really well for herself so it is a double indemnity reunion but the movie doesn't just coast on that it's a movie that unlike a lot of like cheater dramas uh philanderer dramas and stuff like that the movie doesn't It's refreshing that the movie doesn't necessarily judge Murray for his feelings coming back for the Stanwick character, but it's the fact that the movie really does break down why this guy's emotions are here, why they would be wrong if he acted on them, if he even acts on them at all, you have to see the movie to find out, mm-hmm. and why the kids feel the way they do and what happens when they realize that this that this you know this other woman essentially is, is a part of their dad's uh life and there's a lot of really great dialogue um Sir gets a lot of credit for his technicolor melodramas very colorful very a lot of reds and, and very bright blues and stuff like that like i said imitation of life amazing uh all the heaven allows written on the wind um written on the wind is 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 elevated trash that I just adore. I'd love that movie. But <laughs> There's Always Tomorrow is a little less on the trashy side and way more of really showing what Fred McMurray can do. And I typically like Fred McMurray in like his darker roles, like the apartment uh, and stuff like that, rather than his like, my three sons, like that, that type of thing. <laughs> right? but, but I think this movie's using that image rather than his double indemnity bag to make a, a confluence of performances. That's, that's really, really cool to watch. So it was, a uh, it's, a uh, in my top two cir- cirks, um, it's not my, my favorite of his, but it's definitely up there. Um, I, I was a big fan of there's always tomorrow. I think it's, uh, I think it's really well done.
1: Carmelita, Have you seen this?
0: I have not. No.
1: Yeah. I, I listen, it's a thing. Honestly, if I just heard about it, like i'd probably never give it a chance but between preston you and daniel talking about it you're really it's compelling selling me on it so uh i've been even it doesn't it's not streaming anywhere though for like at all i don't think to pay for or for it was free. playing on
0: so it was playing on criterion channel i actually okay. caught it because uh, i need to be better about i need to be like carmelian and like pull up the the cast list for these things because um <laughs> So they were so Criterion was actually showing a, a Joan Bennett. Uh, they were have they were having like a Joan Bennett series. Um, mm, who's, mm-hmm. Her her, like, her heyday was like the the 30s and the early 40s. So it was interesting to see her in like a a, a 50s melodrama. Um, you know, playing again, playing for Murray's wife, uh, Jane Darwell is in it from the Grapes of Wrath. Uh, William Rails is in it. He's in quite a few things uh, that are not coming to me right now. Uh, Pat Crowley. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's the score's great. I, I like I said, I saw it as a part of that Joan Bennett series. But um, and then eventually later on that season, uh, Criterion had like a a Cirque, It was like a black and white Cirque uh, series. So I ran through like most of the ones that I hadn't seen. I think there's still a couple of those of those pre color movies I haven't watched of his yet. But um, most of the ones I I saw, I was a fan of, and this was this was far and away the standout for me. Um, I was thinking, Matt, and I'm curious, Carmelia, what you what you think. So I don't, I don't, I'm curious if you're a fan of this movie in particular. But um, I think you, I think your first Cirque shouldn't be All That Heaven Allows or this. I think it should actually be Imitation of Life because it's a, it's like really going after like race. Oh, you're okay. You're a fan <laughs> of this one. Okay, perfect, perfect. Because it's like really going after like race and like it's about a, a white passing woman who is happens to be black uh, Mahalia Jackson uh is in the movie the the queen of gospel in the film Lana Turner it's probably my favorite Lana Turner movie maybe it's definitely top two for her from me yeah it's it's and you're getting that cert color without the trash I would say if you like that they can go for the trashier stuff but <laughs> imitation like your taste like mm. it's engaging it's quick it, it, it doesn't like, and then the ending, I swear to God, like it, it just, oh, it just, it just, yeah. Oh wow. Okay.
2: Imitation of life is a movie I watch when I want a good ugly cry oh, and right. I've seen it so many times now that when the starring characters meet in the first 15 minutes, I start crying because I know how the film ends mm. and I'm already super emotional by that moment when they're meeting and I already know what's going to happen in the story. So I start crying within the first 15 minutes now.
0: (laughs) It's a sad Vember movie like it really is, but it's
2: beautiful though. It's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. It's it's talking about race in a way that was bold for the time and talking about some things that I still I think even today people have trouble talking about like passing Um, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And yes, Mahalia Jackson singing Trouble of the World is like,
0: yeah, man, you need that in your life. That was the first Cirque I saw as a kid that I, that I liked because my mom uh, loves Cirque or loves those types of movies. And that was the one I vividly remember, like when, when that, the beginning, the, everything with lana turner like like trying to teach her daughter through the confusion it's sandra d playing her daughter right Mm -hmm. this has been a long time yeah 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 yeah. and uh yeah i mean i would say there's always tomorrow is more in that vein if i'm being honest like um of of that like super of of that like more serious side of him that's you're selling it
2: friends
0: (laughs) you guys are really selling
1: this movie you're really the reactions from both of you, like I could see your reactions. And I'm like, this sounds like it's a really good movie. I just added to the list. It's like, just add like a little bonus pick there. Um, Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to try some Cirque. It's like a guy I did
0: not think. I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like my thing, but. Lastly, lastly, I'll say this. Okay. This might piss off some listeners.
2: <laughs> That's okay.
0: There's a lot of Cirque no, in the film piece. <laughs> i don't know if I don't know if they are or not there may be <laughs> i feel like cirque does what people say that david lynch does without the pretension oh. i'll just put it mm. like
3: that
1: <laughs> <laughs> coverlita looks like she's that's too,
2: juicy <laughs>
1: that's not that's a hot take that's a i mean people say like <laughs> i got a hot take and then like it's not that's actually a hot take um man I love David Lynch, too. I kind of like that,
2: though. I don't like David Lynch. I know. This
1: always surprises me about Carmelita, that she does not like David Lynch. I
2: don't. No, he's not my thing.
0: That's because she likes good movies. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm (laughs) kidding. No, no, no. no, There's actually a handful of Lynch that I like. I'm just not, like, obsessed with – I'm not, like, Gaga over Lynch like a lot of filmmakers are. But but I respect you, Matt. I really do, and I get that Lynch is influential. Oh,
1: I would think he'd be too <laughs> weird for me. Like I didn't think I was gonna like his stuff when I started because I'd heard about him for years. And I think I, I God, what was the first thing I watched? It might have been a Racerhead, which is really out there. Um, but I was like, this is interesting. I don't understand any of it. Um, Mahaland Drive was the one that really like got me into David Lynch because I think <laughs> oh, God just make a face like he just did. Um. I think that movie. So I'm sorry. I think that movie's great. I love that movie. It's uh, it's got. Okay, it's got. I would say it's definitely got more. <laughs> what's the word? Structure's the long. Wrong word. It's got more. It's not as weird and experimental as some of his other stuff. It's more of a normal movie with still being weird. Like it's not a racer head. It's not. Um,
0: That's one that I actually do want to rewatch. I mean, it's weird, but say, it's because <laughs> it's a lot of people's favorite of his, and
1: yeah, I remember okay. I seeing it's my and... favorite.
0: Interesting. Okay, i i i need I need to give it a chance. Again. I
1: think. Okay, I know what I'm saying. It's like the perfect intersection for me of like David Lynch weirdness, while still being. It's you can get into it. It's a compelling story to me. It's a compelling story. It's not like mm-hmm. so weird to put you out. Maybe it will be some people, but because I don't know, I really liked it. And once I read one of the movies that I finished watching, I went to go read a bunch of stuff about it because I'm just one of those movies where I'm like, what? Like, what just happened? Um, mm-hmm. And people like had very interesting takes. And I was like, okay, this actually makes sense. Like, I get what, like, it's like, the things actually do make sense. It seemed completely insane in the movie. But, um, and it was more like, oh, that's what was going on. Um, I don't know, Lost Highway, Lost Highway, uh, Blue Velvet i was talked about a couple times, once with Lexi on her show. Um, Blue Velvet, actually the most probably palatable <laughs> But, like, but also still very david lynch um have you seen that one preston have you seen blue Velvet? i have
0: that that's that i will so that when i say like there's a few lynches that i like i actually do like blue velvet but i will say this blue velvet feels like a precursor of twin peaks which is actually oh, yeah like, that, that's, that's a show that i watched in college with a friend of mine that um uh, that that's that those first like the original run of twin peaks like that's my favorite mm-hmm. thing that he's done and what, again, speaking of melodrama, you know he's taking soap opera tropes and making and putting it inside of the the psychodrama and, and the trippy you know midget stuff. So there was <laughs> there is a lot of stuff about, and I love Firewalk with Me as well as a film. I think that's actually my favorite Lynch film so yeah, uh, that I've seen thus far. So yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, I there's Lynch that I like. It's just you know, <laughs> I get you know. I get that people who are
1: fans of him are very uh they talk about it a lot <laughs> they talk about him a lot <laughs> he, he kind of i mean the way the what his work like kind of uh brings that stuff up because he doesn't talk about what stuff means usually you know it's like he always goes like it's up to you guys I leave it up to your interpretation so i feel like that opens things up to be talked about way more with his work than like so i think it i can understand it builds up this like kind of pretentious like thing people are always trying to figure stuff out like
3: i think some I of say- stuff's more
1: straightforward than people are even they're trying to overthink it, I think, sometimes, honestly. But
0: I think I have met people, not not you, Matt, but like I have met fans of Lynch who, who have been like, you're not supposed to understand it. And there there's nothing more that kind of pisses me off than like people someone saying, Well, you're not supposed to get it. You're supposed to read about it and study it. And it's more than a film. It's he's he's just he's just a god, you know, you just okay, I'll stop. I'm, for all this time, for all.
1: Oh wow. I, feel- I-
2: I <laughs> had to step back and just not. We oh. don't want it to get mean. I don't. Oh no, I, I don't feel want to be mean.
1: Friends, please. I <laughs> there's
2: a there's a diatribe. There's a rant. Dude, that,
1: David Lynch hater. No, it could
2: happen, and you,
1: it's okay. We another time. It gets Un-
2: ugly. It gets ugly. Okay. We won't go there. We can agree on
1: Another David. David Cronenberg. I like David yes, Cronenberg. we but. can agree. <laughs> yes, that's my oh, David. Stand. <laughs> a David Cronenberg guy I did not think I liked at first because I watched Scanners and what was the other one I don't know something else I didn't really care for and then I found stuff I liked and I was like oh I really like David Cronenberg but um but yeah he was the guy first I was like oh, no, I don't like know Cronenberg but uh anyway enough of the Davids we'll go back to <laughs> um okay so we're back uh carmelita's number six is that where we're at yeah okay yes Yes. so
2: this is one i actually just watched in the last week and it made the list because i just enjoyed it so much i just thought it was so cool uh so this is the witch's mirror from 1962 or is that the one that daniel
1: recommended (laughs)
2: did he he recommended a different one i think
1: Maybe, okay, maybe it's in the same box set. There's like a Mexican. It's in the same box set, set, I think. That's what it is. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> El Espejo de la Bruja in Spanish, because this film is from Mexico. Uh, directed by Chano Urieta, written by Alfredo Ranova, Carlos Enrique Topada, and it stars a bunch of actors who I don't know: Rosita Arenas, <laughs> Armando Calvo, Isabela Corona. Go on and on. on. Uh, so this is I I love this to bits. This has got all of my spooky Mexican. There's the Catholic there's you know, because there's like this this cloud of Catholicism that hangs over Mexico. So it's got it's got, <laughs> it's got the Catholicism, but then it's got this witchy stuff because really? this woman and her adult daughter can kind of, we at the beginning of the film were introduced to them and the woman is a bruja she's a witch and she's helping her daughter to discover the truth about her husband in this mirror they're scrying which is like a real witch thing and like a lot of the language this used sounds very kind of authentic to the kind of invocations you would do like it doesn't sound like a bunch of made-up mumbo-jumbo it actually sounds pretty (laughs) legit which i thought Mm -hmm. was really cool and it's all you know the house is very gothic and you know they're using this this mirror to scry and figure out what's going on with the husband and this is not a spoiler to say cuz you'll you'll read it in the synopsis of the <laughs> film this man kills his wife and his mother decides to use her powers to get revenge oh it's so it's it's very cool like there's so it's, it's like gothic
0: got witch the... horror, like gothic yes. witch revenge. Movie. Yes,
2: but in Mexico, it's <laughs> awesome.
0: Interesting. Okay. It's
2: very cool. It's very cool. So there's like, you know, yeah, there's all that mysticism, the magic, and there's, um, you know, you get kind of the, the gender politics of this. This man and the way he treated his wife, and then you know, as soon as she's dead, he grabs another one, and you know, and it's like he has a housekeeper,
3: uh-huh.
2: and you know, it's just it's great. And there's some cool effects in this when we see some of the magic happening. Oh my god! And the, the strange goings on that start to happen in his in his mansion as as the magic starts to work and he's you know he and his new wife are being tormented it's very cool I enjoyed this very very much
0: very you sold cool. me on this like yeah, yeah. highly and because I... <laughs> I'm, I'm more... oh sorry Matt
1: go oh bad. no go ahead go ahead. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> like uh because I love like I'm starting to really like especially this past year like I'm starting to really get into like pre-1970s horror like this is like the time in my life where I'm like okay I think I like a lot of this stuff and in addition to folk, I like a lot of gothic horror. So whenever I watch Daniel's YouTube channel, whenever he put he busts out like a box set, I'm I I am like immediately like okay, I've got to find a way to see these things. Um, and Mexican horror is really interesting, or Spanish language horror, just because. Um, I don't want to speak, uh, you know, about a culture that I'm not in, but I find it fascinating the whole mythology of the Día de la Muerte.
3: Mm-hmm. Um.
0: And 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 that and that sort of thing and and I had an epiphany the other day, like actually when when Daniel talked about that box that I was like, why like how come I haven't seen a lot of like Mexican horror? Because like I feel like that would really get me excited about it uh, about the genre and just and I love seeing just like I just love seeing people of color do genre. That's not something that we really talk about. Is that deficiency in cinema? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think gothic fiction through the language of you know uh mexican superstition and culture and and that sort of thing that 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 sounds very very awesome and i think this is is it based on a short story that's been adapted many times uh is, i don't is that know another? okay because yeah, okay. it know. sounds very folky if, folksy Yeah. I guess. it so, definitely um, has
2: elements of that
0: yeah. it's very
2: cool and i don't have that box set i'm really sad about it <laughs> because i wish i did i was able to see this i think it was on tubi oh
0: okay, okay i right think
1: right it, it i don't know if it, it's still in there it's it looks like it's on freebie and not Tubi, but movie <laughs> if you've heard oh, of movie that's where
2: i saw it was movie okay.
1: <laughs> the other ubi uh, yeah, on the movie ubi game movies like yeah. uh I, I think kind of like a criterion type shows it's, it's very like
2: it's similar yes
1: yeah like they're big into like cinema and you know it's like kind they of, got some uh, artsy, stuff <laughs> artsy stuff yeah it's like this is cinema cinema um, yeah it was so mad i signed up for that once to watch the movie after sun and mm. i found out that it was only available for international uh subscribers not u.s subscribers so i had wasted my time <laughs> i was like it's supposed to be on here and it was like it's for the rest of the world not you buddy but it is like it's cool stuff on there sad face I just, they do have some cool stuff there's only so many I have only so dollars to go around a streaming service. It's like oh um, it's hard. It's rough out there, but it is on there. And yeah, this this box set that Daniel Mexico Macabre uh, that he's been talking up because I was there at Music Box Chicago when he bought this off the table for thirty <sighs> yeah. bucks. I, I need to me.
2: get it. I really do.
1: It's only it's only forty on Amazon, which ten dollars a movie. It's not. It's, it's not, the not worst bad. That. Um, I mean, I'm broke right now, cool.
2: but. Maybe he, for maybe for my <laughs> I'll buy myself a holiday present. Maybe that's,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's why I always justify things as like it's a gift right? to myself. Merry Christmas. Um, yeah. He was talking about he was talking a black pit of Doctor M. He's another on here, and Witch's mirror's on here, and this thing called the Brainiac and the Curse of the Crying Woman. Um, Interesting. I might even just get that said because now that you've talked that one up and he's talked the other one up, I think he liked witches mirror too. But um. But yeah, and then there's another one that Vanera's Venture put out earlier this year that was like a Mexican gothic horror set. I don't remember the full title. It has a movie in there that I feel like people really were excited. Poison the Fairies, I think it's called. That's like a really... I think that's on Shudder right oh, okay. now. Okay, okay.
2: I haven't seen it, but I keep scrolling past it. I need to check it out.
1: Yeah, I need to watch more Mexican horror because I'd watched two of Del Toro's Mexican horror movies this year, Chronos and Devil's Backbone. Really like it, it. Devil. Especially Devil's Backbone. Devil's Backbone is amazing, like beautiful movie. Like it's just it's so it's so and very creepy, and it's it's all kind of things going on. Um, so yeah, I'm really intrigued by this one. So, um, very cool. I love when somebody makes sure like list last minute too when it's like the right before you do the list, you're like, oh, it got on there. Like, um, so that's very cool. Um, I love witches.
2: I just can't help myself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I watch more witch movies too in general I know Daniel made that like witch uh, list too of witch movies and I was like I have seen so few of these I've seen like so few witch movies um, but they, they all sound cool so okay uh, Preston your number six
0: see this is the biggest irony of my list perhaps because <laughs> like this was also a very recent edition um, and, and I've seen this again somehow in, in the amount of work days and the amount of movies I watch already and, and stuff. It's, it's a movie I've already seen twice now and I just cannot stop talking about. And it is uh, Daisy Von Schuler Mayer's 1995 indie comedy drama, Party Girl. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, essentially what, and this is my pick that's just solely personal. Like I don't expect people, if people, more people see, if I get more people to see this movie, that's great. I don't know if it will tra- my level translate to them. This is very much a Preston type of movie. Uh, and so what it's about is it stars Parker Posey. This was kind of the movie that uh broke her out of um being a supporting player in indie films like Days Confused and 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 uh Suburbia, I think. And this I I believe this was like kind of her like first real leading, leading performance that caught on. Uh and it stars uh so she stars as a woman named Mary who has little income she's about 24 years old and uh she's still finding ways in the 90s to spend her nights at clubs after being arrested for throwing an illegal rave and it's a wild rave that opens the movie um she asked her aunt um who um has a bit of a, a grudge against her for just embodying her mom and her apparently her mom uh you come to find out was just didn't do anything with her life and just Kind of was a was a um, was was kind of a, an alcoholic in a lot of ways. Um, she asked her aunt for, for Bell money. And so Judy then finds her a job at her own library so that Mary can repay her with her work, which she thinks that she'll quit just immediately because why would she go from partying all the time to being a librarian? So already the premise has a little bit of absurdity to it. Um, initially, Mary finds the job boring and stifling. And uh, at the same time, she tries to get out of it to talk to this uh, uh, street food food vendor, excuse me, who happens to be from Lebanon, whom she whom she has a crush on. And then you find out that over, over the course of the movie, it is a coming-of-age tale where she has to refocus her life um, and really find herself. And I love this movie a lot for two reasons. For one thing... Um, it echoes a lot of like my journey from uh, my hometown into the big city. Like if people don't know, I am from a small town in Texas um, where it's densely populated for the town, but there's just not a lot of opportunity. And so when I moved out to Dallas uh, um, um, earlier, like like just, just a few years ago, let me put it that way, um, uh, you know, I stayed with my own aunt, uh, actually, and uh, and her husband, who didn't know me before, uh, did, didn't know really know me prior, and so, uh, kind of breaking the the mold in, in what's been a blue collar family, a family that I love dearly and respect, but letting them know that hey, I want to be a writer for a business, like I want to go into these types of jobs and in the, these disciplines and really use my college degree. Um, that was something I felt like I was like, kind of like, I had the, I had the boxing gloves up. I had to like really prove myself to people at, at that early twenty early to mid 20s stage. And so I see a lot of myself in Parker Posey's character. The other reason I love this movie is because, oh man, I mean, not the other reason. There's a lot of reasons actually. <laughs> um, it, it was Daisy Vaughn uh, Shirley Mayer's tribute to 40s and it, 30s and 40s screwball comedy heroines. And so a lot of who they took inspiration from was Rosalind Russell, um, and not in terms of, where Rosalind Russell, a lot of her stuff was, I'm not finding, my arc isn't completed by finding a man at the very end, my arc is completed by me finding my career. And so there's, it's a feminist film without being like, kind of like, forcibly so, um, like it, it, it kind of just is. And because of, I, this is where I think being dated comes into play a little bit, because it's a snapshot, a very unique snapshot of where New York City was at the time. It's a great New York movie where um, in the party scene, you see guys like Lieb Schreiber, uh, who's young and hungry, just like Posey. Um, the guy who plays Artie Bucco on Sopranos makes an appearance in the film. Um, who else is in it? Man, um, quite a few recognizable names. Um, Guillermo Diaz is in the film, uh, Anthony DeSando. Uh, a lot of people who popped up in 90s films the soundtrack is amazing a lot of great hip-hop and pop and house music and it's again it's multicultural without feeling like it has to be because this is a new york city that this is kind of the last time you would see this kind of new york city before gentrification happens so um and the movie even pokes fun in a way at um Parker Posey's cultural insensitivity, not the actress, but the character's cultural insensitivity. Um, There's one joke that's a little dated, that's that's a little bit racial, but I think that speaks to that aspect of her more so than being tone deaf completely. But yeah, I I just love this thing. It's a really sweet, cute, 90-minute comedy that I think if people give it a chance, um, um, I will say find a good version if you are going to look for it on streaming, uh, because I tried to watch it on Prime and it looked like absolute ass so um, <laughs> when, on peacock it looks really good um and uh and... i think it's on
2: criterion right now too
1: it's in, it's actually on a lot of places right now yeah. i really have no excuse not to watch this it's on like Tubi, Freevee, freebie peacock roku channel it looks like you can rent it for a dollar on Amazon. was it a free amazon thing or did you pay to rent yeah it, it was, it was like a free crappy. thing it was a free okay. thing yeah, yeah. it's so a dollar to it rent it so maybe it'll look hard. better in hd i i it probably look good on yeah. peacock too i feel like they wouldn't put like a crappy uh because it got a blu-ray release this year from fun city um
0: yeah i just picked it up and, uh, and up. uh yeah it's a yeah they put a 4k restoration on on the disc and uh it looks it looks even better than it did on on peacock it looked it looked it was. I love it when comedies get the respect, like of like having the the full you know bells and whistles that a drama would, which is cool. Um, and it's more of a dramedy than a, just a flat out comedy. But also, um, yeah, I didn't hear about this movie until just uh, literally uh, about a month ago, and it was only because. I wanted to watch Josie and the Pussycats again. And I didn't, I realized I didn't have it on, on disc. And I was like, wow, I, I, what other the Parker Posey movies? Can I watch? Cause she's. the MVP <laughs> of that movie, And uh, now I'm all about her. Like now I'm, I'm going on a bit of a binge. So yeah, but I, my number six is party girl. nineteen ninety five.
1: Yeah. I don't think I'd heard of it till they announced they're putting that Blu-ray out. Cause I've been kind of following fun city for a while and they put up very interesting stuff. And, uh, I was like, I never heard of this. It was like, I mean, Parker Posey did a lot of movies, especially in the 90s. Uh, she was everywhere, yeah. it sounds like. And I think this year I kind of and becoming a big fan of hers. Like, mm. uh, like she's, because, listen, I know Carmelita and I agree with this. We hate Blade Trinity. Like, I hate Blade Trinity. But I think Parker yes. Posey's fun in Blade Trinity. I mean, she like, is. so, like, it's like that kind of person who's like, if a movie's bad, it's not like really their fault. You know, she's one of those people. It's, it's definitely
2: like, not her fault. It's not her <laughs> It's never it's Parky, her Parker, fault. Parker Posey's um, fault.
0: Did anybody see Bo is Afraid this year?
2: I haven't yet. No, no.
0: but I, I've I've been told interesting <laughs> things about it from people, but I know
1: she's in it. I know she's in it's it. It's interesting. She's one of the bright spots too. And that that made me realize, like, yeah, Parker Posey comes into something and it like it gets better like immediately. Like yeah, I have really great. mixed feelings on Bo is Afraid. Like I feel like, like letterbox gave it, like a decent rating, and I'm like, that might have been too high. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's oh, wow. but it's it I I cannot <laughs> hate it because I always complain about like you know modern movies and like oh why don't we get anything different and original and this is definitely different and original it takes
0: chances it sounds like yeah
1: i could not believe i was watching this in a freaking amc like I could not, like <laughs> i was like this thing is weird like uh you know it's really weird it goes on some but i think it's a little bit self-indulgent and pretentious but I'm pretentious, holy shit uh i was <laughs> like are right, aster please Stop huffing your own stuff. <laughs> uh, like it's like, <laughs> but I also want him to be given the money to make crazy shit. It's, I'm weirdly like conflicted yeah. about it. It's like, yes, please sure. give him money to make insane things like this, but also like Ari Aster, like, eh, like you're a little, and also apparently there's like a five hour cut of it. I don't ever want to see that. uh But
0: <laughs> it's like, but again, back to Parker Posey, it's probably <laughs> one of the best parts of Bo- <laughs> <laughs> well, I also recommend too. There's a really fun uh, kind of proto Little Miss Sunshine she's in with again. Leave Schreiber uh, called the Day Trippers uh, that I also watched. It was it was it's also very oh, good. Yeah. Um, uh, great cast, uh, very breezy film. Uh, great things post kind of during Thanksgiving and post Thanksgiving movie. It has that like autumnal vibe to it uh, while being a scrappy, cheaply made indie production so I, I like that energy about that and party girl like i like that whole 90s aesthetic so i honestly i think going to january i think i might go on like a, a little bit of a posy binge and then also just a 90s indie binge so uh because there's quite a few quite a bit i just haven't haven't watched yet and i'm yeah. excited to get back into that that decade that i was uh that i was born in so yeah <laughs> okay. don't make
1: us don't make us feel old frist <laughs>
0: sorry i'm sorry
1: <laughs> oh thank god you weren't born in the 2000s i couldn't even consider you an actual person i'm like those people aren't adults like well <laughs> no, those, those are kids for all those, those are for forever 2000s. <laughs> i sorry mean to... I,
2: you know it just is what it is man i know
1: time but time marches on but time I know marches <laughs> on
2: it is a flat circle oh you know
1: If we do have one last thing about... i appreciate you i'm sorry uh but <laughs>
0: I will say one last, uh, uh, thing I was, I'll say about party girl is that, um, uh, it's a rated R dramedy. It's not some sugar coated, you know, uh, bubble gun type shit. So uh, <laughs> it, it does get edgy at points. And I really appreciate it for that. And, and Posey again, like her performance, it, it's like, it was like, okay, this is why she's should, this is why she should have been a star. More people should have saw this. So yeah, I just, it really spoke to me and, uh, I've got a, just kind of like what Carmelita said about the surprise aspect of the Discovery, the fact that I've seen it twice now and I own the the blue now from Fun City, yeah. I mean, like yeah. I just I just can't get enough of it. I, I love this thing. So I yeah. really,
1: I've almost watched it like multiple times this year. Like I almost just put it on streaming, but I'm like, nah, like I just wasn't quite in the mood, but I feel bad. I think I blew, Carmelita, have you seen this? I think I blew her past that question. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the sorry.
2: 90s was, I mean, you and I have talked about this. The oh, 90s yeah. was an interesting decade for me i'm pretty sure i've seen this like in the 90s but it's a little fuzzy
0: yeah yeah
2: because i was on my own party,
0: you were the party girl.
2: so for a good portion of that and then i was in rehab so i'm pretty sure i've seen this but it's been too long and my memory is too fuzzy I need to rewatch it badly because I love Parker (laughs) Posey and I love 90s indie movies and there's no reason why I shouldn't. So I will.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're all going to rewatch Party Girl in some cases. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I got to watch it. Um, Okay. Top five. We're already in the top five. This is good. The coffee coffee (laughs) is still working. It's magic. Uh, I feel pretty good. (laughs) I'm energized (laughs) talking to both of you. All right. Carmelita, you're number five.
2: Okay. So I just, let me just say, Preston knows. Preston knows. I love British kitchen sink dramas. Oh, boy. I love it. This is is a little subgenre that I adore. And my number five is one that I had not seen that I had been meaning to see, but it's not like it had been on my list forever. But I think, you know, as I was over the years, as I've delved further in to the kitchen sink dramas, like there's some that just jump out right away. Like, Oh, that sounds right up my alley, rush out to see it. This one, I wasn't so sure. And it's, delightful it's beautiful it's the entertainer from 1960 directed by tony richardson screenplay by john osborne and nigel neal based on the play by john osborne the entertainer starring laurence olivier who played the character on the stage as well and Brenda Debazzi, who was also in the stage production Uh, Roger Livesley, Joan Plowright, and Daniel Massey. So this is a story of Archie Rice, an old British vaudevillian played by Laurence Olivier. And, you know, vaudeville is dying. He's in this little seaside town that has a little boardwalk where the people come in the summertime and people are not coming to see the vaudeville shows. And he's trying to finance it and he's broke and he's robbing paper peter to pay paul and he's a womanizer and a drunk and and it's kind of the the travails of his daughter who's who's trying to get through to him about vaudeville's dad you need to give it up and trying to get to the bottom of all his schemes and wheeling and dealing and And kind of the life of this this guy who just refuses to give up the dream he refuses to let the dream die he's the only thing he knows is the stage and his little variety acts and he's just not prepared to give it up it's Lawrence olivia is great in this because he's all at once you know because he's a performer he can put on the charm but off the stage you know he's he's hooking up with like barely legal girls and like, you know, like these young women that are like 18, 19 years old and it's, he's it's a, a drunk.
0: Kitchen
2: sink and, movie. Yeah, and no, it's just, <laughs> yes, it's, it's great. Well, you know, and a, and a lot of the kitchen sink films had a lot of like young, the young, angry men, you know, yeah. or young women who are dealing with the sexual politics of their era And so this one is interesting because it's it's a middle aged man. And and he's trying to grapple with the fact that. It's the 60s now, and it's not what it was. And Mm -hmm. maybe he's got to accept that the world has changed. And he's got to get prepared to change with it. So I just loved it. I thought it was really delightful. The character is like. (laughs) he's a little he's such a rogue and it's just fun to watch him but also kind of sad because he does a lot of underhanded things and and he's kind of you know pathetic but it's it's beautiful <laughs> it's beautifully done
1: uh Preston have you seen or heard of this or seen this
0: I have not heard or seen um of it I should have said that the other way around but <laughs> I it's, <fine>. uh, <laughs> it's late <laughs> it's late guys but um <laughs> um I am very interested. Carmelia knows that I've been gradually picking at kid, British Kitchen Sink dramas. Um, in fact, I even watched uh, three Dirk Bogard movies this year, who is a fantastic, phenomenal actor. Yes! <clears throat> phenomenal actor. Um, and I think everyone should, uh, because I'm doing it, they should go also go on it. And because Carmelia loves them too. But, um, but, but no, um, the British Kitchen Sink drama, I definitely... At first, the first couple I saw, I really liked. And I, but like watching Dirt Bogards, it was like the first time I was like, okay, I love these now. Like these are like, it it was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a getting used to like the, because it's a weird middle ground between a 70s raw reality movie and being in that like state more stagey classic film style. But um and so I'm very curious to see Tony Richardson what he does with Olivier because I always love it when classic film stars work with modernist pre 70s directors guys who are kind of on the cusp of New Hollywood and uh, I mean superficially too um Roger Livesey I love him for the Pal and Pressburger films uh so um his vo- that man's voice is just yeah like I I love Roger Livesy's voice he just has one of the coolest accents I've ever heard on on a person so um genuinely I I I, yeah I'm your picks so far have been amazing this is I think this is the one where I'm like I've got to see this now this you'll dig it I think you'll really dig it I'm excited (laughs) well I've never heard of it uh I
1: I I, I feel like an ass cuz I don't even know what a, Brit- a British kitchen sink movie is. I never heard that term <laughs> in my life.
2: I was just like, ah,
1: the old British kitchen sink movie." And I'm like, "Oh, what? What ki- what is that? What is that?" So,
2: it's 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 kind of this this movement that came about in the 60s and it and it started with with literature. And it was this kind of like it was this realism about the way people live and it was stories that were told about younger people working class people a lot of these films for the first time were showing life in other parts of england not just london and kind of showing how people live and like the real issues and problems that people were experiencing so you'll get films like uh taste of honey which uh has a young woman who a te- you know still a teenager gets pregnant and dealing with an unwanted pregnancy and she has a friend who's gay you know really topics movie. that at the time are just really
1: yeah yeah
2: you know risky to tackle things like uh look back in anger and you've got <laughs> you've got richard burton being brooding and pissed off and he's unhappy with his lot life
0: like he he's mad i think he literally (laughs) wakes up out of bed just automatically like pissed like and that's it's it's a it's a really great performance from him too yeah so he's
2: dissatisfied with his life and where he's living and and with his relationship and so it's a lot Mm -hmm. of things like that and they're a lot of them are based on either books or plays it's i mean i really enjoy it (laughs)
1: I didn't so, never heard of that term. I I yeah. learned something. This is great. I knew I would <laughs> learn some things in this podcast with you too. Um okay, also another question. So this guy, this takes this is in 1960, it takes place in 1960. It's like taking black like, uh, or because vaudeville is long. I danked, don't oh right? yeah, like, yeah, vaudeville's oh, yeah. well, and you
2: still you still have some variety shows and stuff. I don't remember what. <laughs> year they said it was but it was contemporary so late 50s i was
1: just like wait vaudeville's dying like a 30s right like he's still that's like me going hey guys want to open a video rental store like that's like like (laughs) let it go matt let it go right yeah i mean
2: yeah it's a dying Um. thing well and and in some places you'll still get some variety shows like i know in the uk they do like panto
3: like pantomime shows
2: you know so there's some places where there's things that are similar to vaudeville or like variety shows yeah. that and I guess here in, in America US, have been done. There was a forever. ton
1: of was it the seventies when there was a ton of like just variety shows on TV. Yes,
2: that were kind
1: of I guess vaudeville like. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> your yes.
1: face is like, Ugh, yes, variety. Show.
2: No, some of them. I mean, some of them are. <laughs> some of them are fun. Uh huh. Some of them are just weird, like the Lawrence Welk show. Like,
1: oh my god, yeah. My <laughs> mom tells <laughs> stories about having to watch. But that like Carol Grand Burnett, Carolina Carol tells. Burnett yeah. was good. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Carol yeah. Burnett was dope. That's yeah. a, my mom loves Carol Burnett. Talks about horror stories trying to watch the Lawrence Welk show at her grandparents' house. <laughs> I thought it was the most boring thing she would ever seen. <laughs> like, all I know also is like the SNL parody of the Lawrence Welk show too. Like, right? <laughs> that's my knowledge of the Lawrence Welk show. Um, okay, that's interesting. I never heard of it. So if I add to the list. Uh, I'm very intrigued. But you sold it pretty well. So, okay, all right. The Entertainer. I don't. It's on HBO Max. And um, yeah. Oh. Nice. Yeah. I think there's somewhere else I saw.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to watch the show this. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I can't wait. It's a fun uh, one. It's okay. fun
2: and sad. But maybe it's just because I like sad stuff that that's fun. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. Watch it. It's good. It can
1: movie, It'd be fun and sad. Um, <laughs>
3: right?
0: <laughs> uh, Preston, what is your number five? So my number five uh, is is a movie that, okay, so this is top five. So this is, (laughs) these are movies that all surprised me in some way. Um, And just really, yeah, like the top, this top five, like I pretty much knew was a lock Mm -hmm. from the moment I saw the movie. Um, And so the first of these, of these choices is a movie from 1977. It's a film noir dramedy. So it's, it's people, people who know me know I love film noir, I love detective stories. This is far and away the best detective movie I saw this year. It is uh, Robert Benton's The Late Show. And it stars uh, the, com- the legendary comedian, Art Carney, as, a private, as an aging private eye named Ira, who um, is just barely getting by, uh, like he's not finding as many cases that are lecherous or uh, uh, kind of deadly around him to solve. the 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 times are changing. This is the late seventies, as opposed to the the early seventies. <clears throat> and uh, it's kind of a Maltese Falcon setup, where it begins with his his partner being killed. Ira vows not only to take on uh, his partner's last job, but also find his 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 murderer. And so, joining him to crack the case is no one other than Margot, who's played by Lily Tomlin. And oh. she's an eccentric pot-selling uh, insurance agent, I think, who wants to hire him to find her Gracie cat. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, but but genuinely, like, uh, like so, it's it's the classic Chandler setup of a murder case versus another case, and believe it or not, the cat actually does relate to the murder in some way. Um, so it it, the, it builds comedy from that um because Ira is desperate for work he takes on the pet search and then winds up with an unexpected new partner in Margot. so it's kind of like if I had to describe it it's kind of like imagine like if you took the the uh the salaciousness just depicted in the nice guys the Shane Black movie and you mixed it with kind of a, a trippy noir 70s setup like The long goodbye but unlike the long goodbye which is literally plopping a 40s character into um the 70s so it, it builds tension from its anachronis anachronistic qualities this is just played straight the entire time and it's a comedy that I it's first off it's one of my favorite 1970s comedies period now like when I watched it I was like literally five stars like it just did everything I wanted a movie of its type to do it opens with a guy with his guts out dying (laughs) in art carney's room so you're watching you're watching him interact with a guy who's dying while he's also interacting with a woman who's in the corner kind of cowering um lily tomlin um i've seen her believe it or not i've seen her her younger stuff like a like a a, like a couple of her younger day movies like nine to five i saw a long time ago and I uh, also saw her uh, when I was a little bit older in a movie called All of Me, a, a Carl Reiner movie, where she's having a great physical performance, slapsticky, that kind of thing. But this is far and away the most I've ever enjoyed Lily Tomlin before. And, and I know she's a legend, and I have to get into her some more. But this one, this was a movie where I was like, okay, like I, I'm definitely a fan of hers. And she's just so charming here. She's so bubbly and adorable in her way. Lots of dry wit to go alongside Art Carney's like sitcommy, which if people don't know who Art Carney is, he was on The Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one of my good buddies went on an Art Carney binge. And, and that's who I heard about this movie from. He was like, Preston, oh my God, you haven't heard of The Late Show? And I was like, dude, I I don't think anyone has, but sure. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I was like, how is no one talking about this movie? So my number five is this delightful, very dark comedy great mystery the payoff is amazing um and i just i just loved it like i i i i want uh because it's on a warner archive dvd and i really hope they put it on blu-ray because i think it deserves like an even more fans because i i think it's that good
1: i never heard of it never heard of it okay i i've heard of it somewhere because it's already in my watch list I'm gonna guess pure cinema, probably. It seems like I feel it's a pure cinema pick from them. I feel like it'd be a it up definitely for has that
0: it has that vibe to it, like that that yeah, it definitely feels like a Brian Sauer type. I was movie. gonna say it feels like Especially... a Brian
1: Sauer type movie. Uh yeah, I love that somebody I'm assuming this year went on an art carney kick. <laughs> How often is that being said? I'm on an art carney kick this year, and I'm really getting
0: into vaudeville. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, the, the cast is also really cool. Uh, Bill Macy's <laughs> in it. Uh, Joanna Cassidy from Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, she's also in the film. Um, Howard Duff, who's in, I've got to shout this movie out again. Uh, like, I think this is the third time on film pieces to happen, but Shakedown, <laughs> Howard Duff, he's in the film as an older gentleman this time around uh, the, in the late show. Oh, um, okay. Uh-huh. And, uh, and uh, he. He plays a very kind of like snaky type of character uh, that is befitting of the lead of Shakedown. So if you're a Shakedown's fan of that, are... mentioned
1: like Yeah, like three or four times at separate times in the show. So everybody <laughs> should really watch Shakedown. It's really good.
0: <laughs> it's weird because I see Howard Duff in every movie now. Like there was a 60s sex comedy I watched uh, a week or two ago where he was one of James Garner's buddies. And I was like, oh my God. like. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, great cast. They're all used perfectly. It's produced by Robert Altman. And I would say that depending I love Altman me personally, but I would I would say like it has that Altman vibe of being offbeat without being super, uh, um, super off putting like like he can come off to some people. So, yeah, um, I'm I love I just love this movie. But yeah.
1: Okay. I yeah, I'm gonna see it some that you sold it better than I again on my list, had no memory of why I was on my list, but you just sold it again. So um can pay to rent it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere for free, but um sounds interesting. I'm I'm I'll check it out at some point. So okay, cool. So the late show from what was it nineteen yes. seventy-seven? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. Um okay, moving on back to Carmelita with her number four.
2: This I went back and forth on this one so back up (laughs) back in february i believe it was february the criterion channel did a collection they had on the criterion channel all of Derek jar the the director Derek jarman's films available to stream for that month and i i think it and it ended up staying on there for another couple of months i think they it's they're down now Um, so I got to rewatch some Derek Jarman films that I loved, but the really exciting thing was I finally got to see some Derek Jarman films that I had not seen that I always wanted to see that were really hard to find. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I got to do a whole episode on VHS with our friend Derek Marshall about Derek Jarman. And we talked about five films. So I've talked about this at length elsewhere, so I won't say too much here. I thought about not even including it, but I couldn't decide which Derek Jarman because I love them all. <laughs> and so I'm just going to say I could have said any number of Derek Jarman first-time watches from this year, but I'm giving you the angelic conversation from 1985. It's it's very dreamy. It's very much an experience. The the characters these young men who are in a romantic relationship looking for love and find each other and they're it's it's one of the most romantic and tender and beautiful depictions of a queer relationship that i've ever seen wow and they have no spoken dialogue oh <laughs> the <laughs> we, what we get? No, listen to me. I'm just what we get in I'm sorry. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> is Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench, reading Shakespearean sonnets. The whole film.
3: I am so, you get so all sold. This,
2: all this beautiful imagery, and there's, you know, it's it's like it's filmed on film and these really like desolate, like industrial landscapes and in these, these two men in this relationship. And, and there's all this like symbolic stuff you could read it as symbolic, or you could just marvel at just how dreamy and surreal it looks. And then you get Judy Dench's voice and she's reading Shakespearean sonnets. It's just, it's gorgeous. And it's only like 78 minutes.
1: That's so. good. That's always good. Uh, so uh, I've never heard of it. I I don't think I'd even heard of Derek Jarm until you brought him up at some point. Like I'm completely unfamiliar. Um,
0: yeah, that VHS episode was like my first time because I I think I believe I'd seen you tweet about him uh, quite a bit or at least a few times before, before you yeah. went on VHS uh, for that for that episode. First off, great episode by the way. Thank you. Um and. Um, I feel bad because I think I made a promise to you after because uh, I was talking about how much I love that episode, <laughs> and and I and I just did not go on a Jarman binge or whatever. That's okay. Uh, but I, this sounds beautiful, like it really does, and it's I gorgeous. Mean, I love Judi Dench, literally like the best M uh, in my opinion, and <laughs> great actress beyond you know just that. But yeah, um, the silent like the it just sounds very intriguing and the the soundtrack
2: is done by the band coil so it's very cool it's there's like it's so immersive like it's just very dreamy it's beautiful
0: would you describe it for some reason i'm getting like wings of desire vibes from this the vim vendors movie yeah
2: yeah 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 similar similar
0: and I, I love that movie I really do so um, yeah. yeah I mean different
2: but there's definitely some similarities vibe wise
0: Interesting. Yeah.
2: Derek okay. Jarman is great I think uh some of this stuff is not currently streaming some of his films are still streaming I encourage everyone to check out his work because he was a great filmmaker and like a real artist like the man was an artist um but yeah, I, I could have picked any number of the the several first time watches of his films that I did this year. I went with this one, but you can't go wrong with
0: Derek Jarman. Now is say. he is he 80s and 90s or did he begin in like the 70s?
2: So in the 70s, he was doing um production, he was doing design. Like so The Devils, Ken Russell. oh yeah. He did the design on that, the set. Oh. Wow. Um he, he worked with Ken Russell quite a bit in the 70s. And then yeah, yeah. He did some films in the late 70s, Jubilee, uh, The Tempest. And then into the eighties, stuff like Caravaggio, this War Requiem. Yeah. looks
1: will like say he did a lot of music videos for the Smiths. Yes, Pet
2: Shop Boys, <laughs> the Smiths.
1: Pet Shop Boys, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. it does look like also this movie is like only available right now on Canopy.
2: So ah. It's to get it.
1: Which So if you have your your
2: <laughs> if your library participates in Canopy.
1: Yes. Do you guys want to do this though with Canopy? Because sometimes I have Canopy. My library does have Canopy, but then I go to watch a specific thing on Canopy and then it says, Oh, sorry, your library doesn't have this title or something. Oh, it's my so it's like it's not li- my new on.
2: library doesn't ha- isn't partnered with Canopy. So
1: weird it's like i can use canopy but then i pick a specific movie and it's like oh sorry not this one (laughs) you can watch some other stuff like it's it's very like uh the library doesn't have access it's something weird i don't know but uh yeah you know it's it's good to have it might you know maybe if you live like a bigger city i don't know but uh yeah okay that's interesting yeah you're the only person i've heard really talk about Derek charman so i'm very i i I had nothing to add i'm sorry i know very
0: little that excites Uh, me and and to have Uh, this
2: this is the hope once something is streaming somewhere once I know it will come back at some time.
0: Right. right. True. That's true.
2: Once it's, once it's been available to stream <laughs> once, I just know at some point they'll bring it back. So once it's
1: unlocked out of the box, it's exactly. It's like, <laughs> yes.
2: So keep checking back.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Preston, what is your number four?
0: All right. Uh, my number four, um, is actually my favorite horror movie that i saw this year Uh and it became an instant favorite after it was done this is a movie that is so good so i'll put it like this i i smoke cigars occasionally like i smoke like maybe a couple a month like uh because i just like to relax i need to relax so that's part of why i do it um (laughs) and i just like the culture behind them and literally but I don't smoke them like just like like all in one like I take breaks and stuff like that. This movie had me so in my feelings while creeping me the fuck out the whole time that I literally smoked a whole cigar on my balcony <laughs> after it was done. God. <laughs> and believe it or not, this is a uh, pre-70s movie. It came out in 1960. It is George Franju's Eyes Without a Face.
1: oh Oh, good one my god i've wanted to see this for so long i'm almost gone bought the criterion i've all i've like i talk about being close to watch something and then i have two friends in my real life who constantly are like they love it and they're like you have not seen it have you not seen it i'm like i don't know i just haven't gotten around to it um uh sorry to just cut you off where you start describing it but yeah i've i've been so close seeing it for so long and have not watched it so go ahead Preston. i'm sorry
0: (laughs) go ahead (laughs) No biggie. Uh, it, it spoke to me on many levels. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll just synopsize it really quick. Um, Pierre Brasse Pierre Brassier? I, um Sorry, for, I apologize for butchering, butchering names. <clears throat> He's a doctor who is riddled with guilt after an accident that has disfigured his the face of his daughter, the uh, the the once beautiful uh, Christiane, played by Edith Scob, who. Outsiders believe is dead. So the doctor um, takes advantage of that along with his accomplice and library assistant, uh Louise, played by Alita Valley uh, from Suspiria and the third man, um, kidnaps young women and brings them to the doctor's mansion, where he renders the victims unconscious and removes their faces, attempting to graft them onto of scopes. And it's such a trippy movie, but not in terms of it being uh not so I made a Vim Vendors ben comparison uh, a few minutes ago. It, not in, not trippy in that manner, but trippy in the sense that these practical effects to remove the faces are staggeringly good for the for both for the era and any movie of the of, of any era, really, for one thing. And it's this like Kind of sci-fi, uh, melodrama, horror, um, borderline psychological thriller at points, where um, the faces that are being put onto this girl, um, because skin deteriorates, uh, you know she she doesn't she she doesn't look too great after after the grafting a lot of the time. So it's begging the question of of the way I liken it, I liken it to uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's classic story, The Birthmark. Um, where um, which is basically a story of a, of, a, of a scientist who's trying to remove the birthmark from a, from a, um, from, from a woman's face to try and make her perfect. And, and ultimately you can't something, the moral of the story is that you just can't rectify that. You know, you can't rectify imperfection on, on human. That's what makes people perfect is the imperfection, ultimately. And the movie is a literalization of that. Um, it's a very gothic, very moody, almost impressionistic visually 90 minute just terrific 60s movie um alita valley who I already love from the third man again so um she was uh one of my first crushes when i was like 11 uh, which is weird because an 11 year old having a crush on a black and white actress that's interesting <laughs> but you know i was i was an interesting kid i guess but um she is tremendous here and just so just so sympathetic just so full of empathy um it, it's just a i just i can't sell this enough better people than myself have talked about this movie to death um i i've heard about it for a few years i just came to it and out of all the the horror discoveries i had this year and i watched quite quite a bit of horror this year this was the one that just took me and made me smoke an entire cigar. <laughs> uh, and uh, and and yeah, I, I bought the criterion as well. Um, I'm excited to rewatch it someday. Um, yeah, great film, and uh, so super happy Carmelita is a fan.
1: I would, yeah, I am, clearly yeah. has seen it smiling and nodding the whole time. So, Carmelita, yeah, no, it is, it's fun?
2: great. It's it is this really cool kind of pulling from different genres. There's there's almost like a there's a little bit of a sci fi element to it because of the the surgeries he's trying to perform this technology he's trying to perfect this new surgery it's and yeah there's just all these layers the psychological layers of you know what's in a face right like and and who is he really doing it for he says he's doing it for his daughter but you start to wonder who are you really doing this for one it's, of the scenes yeah, that, that gets me in that movie
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the scenes that gets me in that movie It's just one quick scene I'll mention is uh, she's looking at her n- new face, so to speak. It, it's not a spoiler because it's it happens earlier in the movie than you'd expect. And and she, you know, it, it's features of, of of her that look like how she used to look. Um, but they're grafted on her new face now and she's like, that doesn't look like me. Like It, it technically does, but I know what my face looked like. And it's just such a beautiful moment in a genre where I feel like there is beautiful story. There are beautiful stories that are told in horror, but not so much with the elegant simplicity as this. And um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, that's my, that's my one little spiel about it, but yeah.
2: Yeah. No, it's beautiful. There's also a little bit of a fairy tale element to this one yeah. too. You know, the princess and that's locked away in the tower, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's got that kind of it's it's cool
1: okay i need to finally see it it sounds super Highly recommend. It Sounds very cool uh i've seen images from it that look incredible like it looks like it'd be creepy and very <laughs> very unique uh especially I, for that time i'm just shocked at like that that story being told and it, you know like that so um yeah i need to see it i really need to see it so okay very cool uh we're in the top three now it's crazy uh, and I'm very. You like move fast, like we we did. Uh, yeah, we was <laughs> like pretty rolling. good. Uh, We're doing pretty good. I'm very curious too because Preston said I'd seen a couple of his, and so far I've seen none of his. So they must have done <laughs> really well. The ones I've seen must have performed very well on the list. Uh, okay, I'm very curious. Now. Okay, Carmelita, you're uh, you're number three.
2: Okay, my number three is Z from 1969, like the letter Z. Mm-hmm. Directed by Costa-Gavras, the Greek filmmaker who was exiled, so this film is in French.
3: Oh, okay.
2: so he's a, a Greek director making a movie in France because he pissed some people off in Greece. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it's based on a novel. See, uh, stars. Yves Montand, Irene Papas. Great Greek actress. Uh, Jean-Louis Trignan. Who was in Trans Sounds Europe familiar. Express. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does he's done a bunch of stuff? I I might be pronouncing his name all cattywampus, but if you saw him, you'd recognize him. Uh, George Ray, <laughs> Jacques Perrin, Francois Perrier, like all these people, it's like it's very cool it's very political it's set in greece a there's a a very public murder of a prominent politician and there's like was it who's behind it is there a cover-up you know it's all these things and there's all this these political activists are scared for their lives now because someone's Mm -hmm. targeting dissidents political dissidents and you get all these scenes of like activists that are trying to have a lecture and there's protesters and the cops and who's going to incite the violence and and is this this academic who's going to give this lecture is he going to be safe because we've had this murder it's just It's very cool. And so you're seeing like all of this political intrigue and corruption and the tension that builds for all of these political activists that are scared for their lives. And they're trying to get to the bottom of who killed this politician and is the government covering it up? It's it's cool. I really dig it. And so then you get Jean-Louis Trignant, who plays... He plays the one police officer who's the one detective who's actually trying to solve this thing and is running up against interference. So he plays like the, the hound for justice. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, but no, though, can we actually solve this? And he keeps running up against all of this corruption and trying to figure out who's lying, who's telling the truth, who's really behind it it's very it's cool
1: i you, listen even before you say how justice i was in it sounded very interesting <laughs> i can't i've never heard of it before i don't i don't think i've ever heard of this movie but i mean maybe because the fact it's called z maybe i did hear it and it kind of but it's not you know it's just Z. but right. uh it's on hbo max i i should definitely check wow. it out i'm you really sold me on that that sounds super cool and i'm just like i, I haven't heard of this again <laughs> so preston you have not heard of this one either or you, think you So I him. actually
0: <laughs> believe me, believe it or not, I have heard of it, um, mm-hmm. and it was from a friend of mine who, uh, much like Carmelita, he watches a lot of foreign films, and he told me he told me the title, and I was like, okay, there's a movie called Z from the '60s. It's in a foreign <laughs> language. That's all. That's all I knew about it. So I I put it on the back burner because he didn't really talk about the plot that much. And 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 well, okay, let me scratch that. He said that it was a political movie, and I was like, okay, that you know I. I've talked about political films on podcasts before. Like I I love a good thriller. I love that kind of stuff. Something that ties into the relevancy of, of, of the, of the era in which the film was released. I love and respect that kind of thing. But when that's all you're you have, then I'm like, okay, is this going to be an Oliver Stoney type thing? Or is it, Mm. you know, you know, but, but this sounds very, uh, engrossing and unique for itself. Um, the story behind the director uh that's super interesting and in, in how he came to make the film um which i'm sure lends itself to um already to an interesting story that he that he's directing and it's i mean it's readily accessible on max so i'm 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 very i'm kind of shocked at just that there's not a lot of people i've i've listened to on podcasts and stuff or people i've read for film uh discourse that met, brought up this movie in such Vivid details. So Carmelita, thank you for um doing so because I'm 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 definitely going to check this out. Especially it's your number three, and there's been some interesting movies on your list already. B- below I it, I saw somewhere.
2: it. I think it was January or February, and put wow. it on the list, and it has <laughs> been there ever since.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's <sighs> okay. really good. I
1: think it know, was it's really, really good. good. It sticks around from the beginning of the year. That was me yeah. with uh John oh, was pulled in the head. Did, mm-hmm. I was like, this ain't going to get topped. And it did not get topped all year. Um, okay, <laughs> wow. That's, I, that was, yeah, I'm really excited to watch that. Um, okay, Preston, what is your number three?
0: Whew, my number three. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go super into it because I actually um, did a podcast with our friend Lindsay about the film. Uh, most recently, uh, it is Albert Brooks' Modern Romance from 1981. Um, his anti-romantic comedy um about a very insufferable human being <laughs> who I I hate that I that I see myself in this guy <laughs> I really do but but <laughs> it just I I I love this movie um I loved it when I saw it a couple months ago um I I didn't know how much I loved it until um it stuck with me and then I talked to Lindsay about it because it's one of her all-time favorites I think it's like top 20 for her oh, if well. not top 10 um, and, uh, Brooks is just one of, he's one of my favorite actors soon to become one of my favorite directors. The more I go through his work, basically it follows him as a film editor where he's working with the great Bruno Kirby on editing a, uh, a, a kind of a, a cheapy sci-fi B movie starring George Kennedy playing George Kennedy. Um, it kind of looks like battle beyond the stars or something like, like a Corman sci-fi movie like that. And, uh, he breaks up, <laughs> he breaks up with his, uh, on and off on again and off again girlfriend played by Katherine Harold and uh she's just like okay I'm done like I'm I'm done with this like I forget it. and then he tries to be all cool and like I, I don't need her or whatever. Then he goes home takes some Quaaludes and he realizes he even calls up another <laughs> another woman he calls up another woman while I'm he's sorry. on Quaaludes. <laughs> You're good. You're good. It, so it's
2: about really Quaaludes just makes me laugh it's just always it's does. okay. <laughs>
0: it's crazy man Uh, Uh, he takes quaaludes and even calls up a a, a woman who he didn't think anything about of in the past but he's like oh yeah i loved you the whole time let's go on a date puts down the phone and just starts ranting for like 10 minutes and it's it's the most amazing it's 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 one of the top two quaalude scenes in in cinema history uh, (laughs) very much top two and um and
2: scarface is number one right
0: oh okay you know what top three (laughs) okay it's top three i need oh man it's been too long since i've seen Scarface. i didn't know we were going to
2: talk about top quaalude scenes.
1: (laughs) that's gotta be a whole separate episode that's a great great scene though
0: in scarface i will say that Uh,
1: if i start a patreon we can do a top five quaalude scenes (laughs)
3: yes
0: (laughs) to really get specific on the content um <laughs> what, what, what got me about this movie is not just the fact that it's an anti rom com, even though I love that sort of thing, but it's also Albert Brooks talking about himself like as someone who is in the movie industry. And it's a commentary on that. You even see James L. Brooks, who would direct him in an Oscar-winning performance, Oscar-nominated performance, I think, uh, later on in his career. And um, yeah, like uh, you just, it, it, a great use of music which you don't really see in the comedy, like not just a soundtrack, but using music as part of the joke and part of, to fuel the dramatic irony of the situation. Like uh, I will never listen to Michael Jackson's She's Out of My Life the same way again mm-hmm. after seeing this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I I, just, there's, there are plenty of like quote unquote deeper movies that could have been at my, at my three spot. But like, again, like this is one of those that I watched this year and I was like, this is an all-timer um because because he's just one of my favorite actors and this is one of his best roles in films so yeah um i love modern romance i think i think yeah i think this is one of the ones you've seen if i'm not mistaken
1: i have seen this i was excited i was like i've seen this one uh i think it was 2020 i went on kind of like an albert brooks kind of kick but i think it was just this lost america and defending your life (laughs) which i think defending your life was on the first discoveries episode we did just me and daniel which is two of mm-hmm. us. I think that was in my top ten of the year. I loved *Defending Your Life* um, a lot, and I really like *Modern Romance* and *Lost in America*. Um, but I feel like I'm not remembering too much of *Modern Romance*. Like, I mean, 2020 was a blur for everyone. But sure, <laughs> I watched a lot of movies that year. But uh, I do remember liking it. Um, I kind—I want to rewatch now that you've talked about it because I really—I was like, I like how Brooks a lot. I—I I just never really had thought much about him until that point but um to me he was always the guy in the scary opening scene of the twilight zone movie like that if you've seen the opening scene of the twilight zone movie i have i have it was terrifying for me as a young kid because i loved the twilight zone i was a kid and the show was never like that scary and then the opening scene of the damn movie is like nightmare (laughs) fuel for little
0: me and i'm like oh my god what is this
1: (laughs) like um but
0: uh he's underrated as an actor i think like we don't think of comedians being in different different modes like like that so it's really good in drive i think ryan gossin's drive Mm -hmm. like uh like yeah i
1: like how it works a lot so yeah um so yeah i Carmelie have you seen modern romance
2: i had never even heard of it wow until that schlock and i episode oh there you go (laughs) yeah so no i have not seen it
3: it's good see you
2: saw something i didn't see
3: i (laughs)
1: <laughs> that is
0: amazing. That is that's gonna be two bonus points for me. now. I think, I think Carmelia, like th- this movie would actually speak to you because, like, yeah, it, it's it's like it's a romance movie, but like if like you took the humor of After Hours and mixed it with Uncut Gems and made it a rom com that just hates the genre. Like it is <laughs> okay. It is it is it because because inevitably in the in in the middle of the movie or whatever he comes back to Kath and Harold because. He's so insecure about himself. He needs this woman, but also needs to fight with her. Mm. And um, in its in its fucked up way, it has a lot of great things to say about career women. And because when she's in her job mode, she's a completely different person. When he when mm. she's with Albert Brooks, that's part of the satire is that she is caught in the. Um, tradition of submission let me put it like that okay yeah um, <laughs> no it sounds
2: interesting
0: yeah it's it's a really interesting experimental comedy uh so yeah i i, I like it a lot
1: good it's good uh, i'll give it a shot i think you were lucky too i think it would be up your alley um okay cool cool i'm glad i, I was like i've seen one from preston this is good uh, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> fine, like, uh okay uh carmelita what is your number two discovery of the year
2: Oh, friends, <laughs> this, oh, I just, I fell in love with it, uh-huh. and, okay, I'm just going to get into it. It's the Licorice Quartet from 1970, Ooh! directed by Radley Metzger. This is an erotic drama. There's a lot of sex in this movie. I'm just going <laughs> to say that. So anybody listening, if you know, if you don't like sex scenes in movies, which I, from what I hear, there's people that don't like sex scenes in movies.
1: There's a lot of people like that. Yeah, that's
2: apparently.
1: <laughs> that's a thing now.
2: This one is not for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this film, oh, God, it's gorgeous. So the synopsis is. This is, I mean, stick, <laughs> bear with me here, okay? Oh, God, okay. <laughs> a wealthy, this wealthy couple and their adult son are hanging around their, like, gigantic estate, this stately home on the top of, like, this mountain, watching a porn. They've got, like, the screen up, and they're running the the reels of tape, the reels uh-huh. of film, and it's a porno and they're watching it as a family
1: oh my god
2: <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, they so there's this whole weird family dynamic
1: yeah this is what everyone's afraid of when they say they don't like sex scenes they don't want it. they're like i don't want to see that. My parents and this family's like put it on the big screen let's watch it well
2: <laughs> the, the sun is a little uncomfortable okay the sun is a little uncomfortable it's not like he's like gung-ho about it but they all become (laughs) fixated on the one of the women that stars in this pornographic film and they meet a woman later that evening that they're sure is the woman from the film and they invite her back to their estate for drinks and then the rest of the movie is just their fantasies about this woman. Every member of the family has a fantasy about this woman. It's, it's, it's very <laughs> dreamy and kind uh-huh. of surreal. And you get the different points of view. We learn about each of the members of this family through their the fantasy. fantasies that they're having. And then also as they're talking to each other about the experience of meeting this woman and having watched the film and you learn more about their family drama, kind of the dynamics within their family. And it's this beautiful color, beautiful location. The house is like unreal. It's gorgeous. <laughs> um, You know, there's great costuming. It's just is it a period trauma
3: no oh wow Wow.
2: yeah it's it's gorgeous and you know you watch clips you watch the the pornographic film along with them so you're seeing scenes (sighs) of the pornographic film that they watched and then you're watching their fantasies about this woman where they engage in sex act for this woman so
0: That sounds super, like interesting because it's it's a. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Carmelina's like yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, genuinely though. (laughs) Oh goodness. Genuinely though, because Uh it's a it's neurotic. Because I feel like. Okay. (sighs) I feel like don't be afraid. I feel like good sex on film is is in and of itself surreal. So to be in a rock drama that is encompassing the fantasies of its characters. I, I mean, I'm on, I'm, I'm just thinking about the possibilities of that hook where like, okay, like maybe certain characters lie about their fantasies or uh, to other characters. And maybe there's deeper parts of the fantasy that are unearthlier in the movie. I'm just, now I'm just speculating on just how far this premise can go. <laughs> Confounded by the fact that it's number two on your list and you have some, uh, some heavy hitters i'm looking at
3: uh yeah
2: it
0: looks like so i'm i'm just wow where
1: did
0: you see loved this
2: loved it so this is on movie uh still on
1: movie yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and i think there's some other places you can rent it like on actual like porns like porn platforms <laughs> It, it, it's on All right, that I'm going to cue the uh, sound.
1: Never from- mind. <laughs> <laughs> this time I was like, okay, you can find it on Movie, Pornhub. <laughs>
2: I mean, Rad- Radley Metzger made erotic films, and some of them, like this one, is very kind of artsy. It's like an art film that that is also an erotic film you know he's got some other ones and i i watched i watched some this year that were like no straight up pornography i mean it is a movie Uh but like like the sex in some of those is hardcore like it's not it's not there's nothing soft about it (laughs) (laughs) oh great filmmaker so far, I've enjoyed everything of his that I've seen. Camille 2000 is another great one. That's got this whole like Italian 60s Ooh. vibe. Like that's a really good one too.
0: It sounds like sexy Visconti.
2: Like Yeah, kind cool. <laughs> that of. One, that one's got great costumes, all these great settings. Um, but yeah, I think the reason I went with this one and not the others was that this one had the whole surreal dream like quality, and you guys know I live for that <laughs> shit.
1: So, yeah, <laughs> right.
0: right. See, this is
1: why. No, i sorry to go back to this. This is why you all that David Lynch. I feel like his stuff is, yeah. <laughs> sorry i'm not gonna harp on we already talked about no. it just that's what i always surprised <laughs> um, you must have brought this up on another an, an old piece <sighs> episode because it's in my watch list i have never i had no recollection of hearing about it really you, when you started talking about it i was like i think she brought this up before because
2: maybe i don't i don't i don't know we've done a
1: lot of episodes together my friend it could have been at any point throughout this year um <laughs> yeah because this has to be from her uh like and i'm well, looking who at it, else and I'm has like,
2: seen it i'm like who else has seen it we i'm sure we have friends that have seen it Also,
1: people are trying to search for it you said licorice quartet i immediately started spelling it like the candy licorice
2: Ah, it's not like no that. like lick
1: <laughs> like oh because i was
0: like i can't find it on
1: letterbox yeah someone. it's l-i-c-k-e-r-i-s-h licorice
0: like literally like wow okay Oh interesting. Tell It's you. on my list now. It's on my you, list.
1: You must have brought it up. I'll go back and listen to there's don't I know I can't how am I gonna find it? Um old, old what have you kind of watched lately segments. Um okay. And well if it wasn't it.
2: me, it was someone else with similar taste and
1: I think it was you. I still think we should be <laughs> friends.
2: Um. <laughs> I love stuff like that. I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, you could rent that anywhere. I mean, I, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, is it, wait, is this one have like hardcore sex scenes? Cause I'm surprised primarily. I mean, there's left.
2: sex scenes in it. Yeah. I, okay. it's not like, like he's got other ones where there's like, like BDSM, like, oh, uh-huh. and like serious, like you really see the penetration and stuff like that. This one mm-hmm. doesn't go that far, but, but there's sex scenes in it. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I, <laughs> don't know what else is <laughs> gonna...
2: penetration on this <laughs> on
1: I mean we these. did it we did an episode on David the Crash together so I feel like exactly. everything. still I hope, one of my want...
0: favorite <laughs> film feast episodes by the way y'all y'all killed that one y'all really did thank you
1: I think Carmelia killed that one I was just along for the rest
2: that's not true <laughs>
1: <laughs> Laughed it's not true. we talked about people in sex with open wounds oh uh, that was the <laughs> one where we did I was like I gotta tell people I know not to ever listen to this episode <laughs> <laughs> my mom was still listening at that point, and thank God she stopped before that came out because I could not, I couldn't do it. <sighs> oh, not ready for that conversation, anyway. Uh, so I hope presses number two is like a Disney movie or
0: something, just like the, the, the dichotomy. Of, like, two and two. I love how I'm seeing this the geriatric of the two, that's so fun. <laughs> no, no, I just want
1: it to be like something complete opposite of this, like be like the, the sanitization, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's not be funny it's like here's this family friendly movie i'm gonna recommend after Christopher um okay preston what is your what's your real what's your number
0: two i'm kind of laughing because it's kind of true um... <laughs> yeah. it's the I, it's true in the sense that it's not a full-on you know it's it's not it's 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 not what Carl will described. It's not. It's not. Yeah.
3: The
0: type of movie. It's not softcore porn. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this
1: is a film I saw okay. on Cinemax back in the. <laughs> oh.
0: Okay. God, we're losing it. Okay, it this is on good. Just the HBO, yeah. Was, um, bringing
1: that Jackie well, Brown magic back together. I love it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, uh, uh, genuinely, um, this movie is actually very, very dark, um, uh, especially for movies at the time. It's a 50s movie. It is far and away out of the 57 Westerns that I watched this year. Most of them were first time watches for me. This was far and away my favorite. It is Bud Bedeker's 1957 adaptation of Elmore Leonard's story, The Tall Tea. Oh, um, so speaking of Jackie Brown, it <laughs> has that Elmore Leonard lineage to it. Um it uh, it follows uh, Randolph Scott as uh, Pat Brennan, um, who gambles his horse away. Um, you don't know much about his past prior to this, but he gambles his horse away to make some extra money and kind of stick around uh, this little town that he stops in. And uh, he gets a ride from uh, he gets a ride from a gentleman, and I believe his uh, either his comp- his accomplice or his wife, who's played by Marino Sullivan, uh, very prominent supporting actress of movies of this time but soon their stagecoach is hijacked by a trio of merciless bandits uh who's led by the heartless richard boone um again another popular western actor of the time and as uh boone holds the passengers hostage hostage uh randall scott scott falls in love with marine sullivan and basically develops a risky plan to free himself from um, from the rest of the crew, which leads into this very bloody, very bloody final uh, swath. And first off, the movie is 78 minutes. Unlike a lot of westerns, these bedeker movies, um, and I really could have played like really three or four because I really fell in love with, excuse me, uh, Bud bedeker this year. He was probably the, like, Anthony Mann was my guy last year. This is the director this year that I'm like, I'm all in for elevating this guy uh, into being like one of the great Western directors because all of his movies are like really tight 70 to 80 minute thrillers. If that, this is 78 minutes. Um, And because these are, these were made on very limited budgets. This is a B movie. They do things with like spears in some of these movies, like going through like people's chest, whether you're like a, a white cowboy or native American Uh, You know, like, uh, (laughs) Benninger doesn't discriminate when it comes to that sort of thing. And he really shows you the perils of Westward Expansion era violence while being a very thoughtful, uh, very fun, awesome uh, Western where uh, Randolph Scott, like, he's not the super dark uh, cowboy that you see in the likes of, like, uh, um, uh, The Wild Bunch or Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Like, he's not a revisionist cowboy. But his good boy image, I think Bedeker found a way to kind of master that and make it compelling because he's going up against people who are way more flawed than he is. Like, extremely terrible people. Richard Boone gives one of my favorite villain performances of the entire genre in this movie. Um, he he was also in another movie that I loved this year that's going to show up in honorable mention. That's another western that I loved that is a revisionist western, uh, believe it or not, that I, that I did love. And, um... But the tall tea just takes the cake. Like Marino Sullivan, like the romance is great. The action, oh my god, the action for a movie of this time is is so good. And um the dialogue, most importantly, again, having that Jackie Brown, Elmore Leonard prose to it, um, is really interesting and really fun. So um, I'm a huge fan of the tall tea. It immediately shot up into my top three 50s westerns ever. Um and I just hope more people will check this out. If you if you don't think you'll like Westerns, definitely check this out because it's not super long. Randolph Scott is just a boss. I don't know what to say. Like he just he he kills so many people in these movies that are bad. He is uh uh super, super goody two-shoes to the little kid who could be annoying, but like he gives them. Uh, a little a little piece of candy or whatever and, and they're just like oh yeah good thanks and uh and yeah it just <laughs> i just i don't know i love randolph scott in these in these movies and uh i've become a bigger fan of him since seeing speaking of Paw ride the high country um the past couple of years so um yeah and, and this one yeah his finest hour by far
1: uh carmelita have you seen tall T? I i have not seen it okay it's see I, there's another
2: one you seen that i oh, haven't seen
1: yeah <laughs> i yeah <laughs> i think i I guess they could probably give credit to daniel for this i probably watched because he talked probably. about it um and i think i heard about pure cinema too but i mm. i really liked tall t and then i've seen a couple i saw ride lonesome and seven That's men from now one. uh those are i think the only three better i've seen but i really liked all of them um tall t's a lot oh, ride lonesome is really good too um it's an awesome ending if I remember it's right really, um, Yeah,
0: it's really dark for uh, yeah, again been, for a movie of
1: the time. I love the Bud Better Westerns because they're like, like you said, like they're really tight and concise and like 70-80 minutes, and they have like a really dark edge to them. Like I, mm-hmm. I do not expect from 50s westerns. Um, yeah, see,
2: I need I that's my I could get into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: mean, like, they don't because I like revisionist westerns, I like the Things a little darker more cynical edge so oh
1: yeah
0: yeah that's not. what these movies are like they're not uh, the squeaky clean yeah. 50s
1: westerns right. I think of they're not pushing like spaghetti western territory but they're like this weird sure. in between where it's like Darker than most 50s Westerns, not super violent like the, the spaghetti westerns, but uh yeah, they have an edge. I, I love uh Randolph Scott. He's like <laughs> I mean this is the nicest way, it kind of sounds derogatory, but it's like he's like the grandpa that can kick your ass. Like he's got like <laughs> I don't think he's as old I don't think he's as old as he seems to me in the movies. I don't know how old he was when he shot these, but like um there's a he, great uh there, there's a excuse. Oh,
0: sorry, Matt. Oh, I think he was up. like
1: he was born. 1898, which is so wild to read out loud. Oh, wow! And and then so he was like, it is 50s when they were shooting most of these, and like so he is, yeah, he's older, but he has like a toughness to him that I really like. Um, yeah, they're they're good. Tall T's really good. That was the first one I watched of the but a better Western. So, um, yeah, and they're short again. Like, I it's hard to go wrong with like a movie that that's not that long. You're like, hey. If it's – I don't like it. I only wasted like an hour and 15 minutes of my time. You know, it's not that bad. <laughs> so
0: and, But and I think B- Buchanan Rides alone is also uh, – it's pretty good. It's not as good as the three you just mentioned, but it's pretty good. Comanche Station, I, th- I think, is, is actually pretty underrated. Uh, it's one where um, Randolph Scott – it's one where you see Randolph Scott doing a lot of his, like, stunt work in camera. I think it was towards the end of – because if people don't know – Scott and Bedecker, they did this cycle of Westerns called the Renown Cycle, where um, I believe it's six or seven movies that they made together over the span of the early 50s, early to mid-50s to, uh, to, the, to the early 60s, and where they were able to really push the boundaries in terms of violence, uh, kind of subverting the, co- uh, the cowboy archetype and showing him being kind to people of different cultures in different ages. Because a lot of, uh, speaking of John Wayne, a lot of the Wayne stuff that's not great, uh, can be kind of <laughs> <Carly>. <laughs> I have to bring him up. I have to bring him up in this case. Okay. But, uh... <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. He can get a little ageist at times, he can get a little racist, misogynist, you know, all the all the ist um, <laughs> it, it, the people he played. But um Randolph Scott is not those, you know, so that helps. Uh nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah Randolph Scott I mean I, I don't think there's a direct comparison but he feels like to me kind of anti the anti-John Wayne I don't like he's like the antithesis to John Wayne I don't know um John Wayne's the kind of guy that like I know he would talk about being tough but I don't know how tough he actually was like who was it? John Ford who would, like give him shit for like actually not being in the military or some there was some director who gave him shit for like, he it, was like him, yeah, it was John Ford yeah like. Because, that uh... tough.
0: Like that tough. Because John Wayne famously was – and I know this because of the research I did before Lexi and I did that Searchers episode on her show. Um, uh, uh, John Wayne uh, was famously like very pro-World War II, pro-gun, all that Mm. kind of stuff. And uh, he never – he ended up not going to war even when he was asked to. And so (laughs) one of the things that Ford did was berate him. So so when you're watching him (laughs) in the Searchers, it's kind of a method thing where he's literally playing a soldier who's ashamed of his own skin that's I think I believe that's John Wayne coming through in that performance that's part of the reason mm-hmm. why um, uh, um, he's he's exemplary in the film but yeah I mean Randall Scott blows him out of the water easily so yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah and I don't know how tough Randall Scott really is or if he went to war or anything like that but he just seems more uh authentic to me than John Wayne
0: like i yeah, believe I he don't... was a dancer, um, oh, well. <laughs> or some kind of athlete of some kind. Um, uh-huh. When he, especially because he did a lot of like early comedies in like the 30s and 40s, um, some of which I I, I really want to see. I really want to check that stuff out. And, oh, uh, he was in the I army, think...
1: so he actually did in World War One. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Like it's like a first thing in his like IDB profiles. Like went to World War One in the army. Um, so he's got that on, on John Wayne. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, he just it's. I don't. He seems authentic to me in general. Like not to compare with John Wayne the whole time, but he he just has this very unique quality. I really like him. I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard to describe. But um, I think it's very West Virginian.
0: It's very like like how West Virginia is very uh like because there's blue collar culture all around the all around the U.S. But when I think West Virginia, I think like no authentic coal mining. Coal mining. You're actually getting yeah like you're actually getting greedy. That's what Randall Scott reminds me of. He reminds me of like moonshine so
1: yeah <laughs> oh uh also to clarify people who will give me a hard time i'm not from west virginia you are I'm not from, from west virginia, virginia. <laughs> West virginia <laughs> don't associate difference with it's west. a
2: difference it's a whole other state
1: very different there's a real <sighs> uh what's the word the kind of a war here we just we don't <laughs> i feel I'm like sure you we don't, don't want to be associated it. with west oh yeah yeah we're like nah. sorry to anyone that listens to west virginia <laughs> if anybody does i don't know um i think we'll know that if there's a weird like uh rivalry between us and the west virginia um (laughs) um, and anthony and who else daniel and other people give me shit for being like oh i'm like i'm not from west virginia damn it it's normal (laughs) just virginia (laughs) just just that one um okay well i think you would like tall t carmelita i think that would be i feel like that one you have other ones to explore from yeah no it's going
2: on my list for sure (laughs)
1: Um. Okay. So uh, number one, Are we just, is it, is it happening? Carmelita? Number one. It's
2: happening. It's <laughs> happening. Okay. This, this film blew me away. I just, it was love at first watch. I was so impressed with this. I thought it was oh, just incredible. Corridor of mirrors from 1948. Mm. Now wait mm. now. Directed by Terrence Young,
0: like yes. Thunderball, Dr. No, yes, Thunderball, yeah, I was like, Wait, Dr. Like, no, James Bond, from Russia with it?
2: Love. Oh, that wow. Terrence Young, directed Corridor of Mirrors, 1948. It's uh written by Rudolph Cartier and Adana Romney. It's uh, based on Corridor of Mirrors by Chris Massey. Stars Eric Portman, Adana Romney, Barbara Mullen. Christopher Lee has a smaller role in this. His first movie. Oh. Oh. Friends. (laughs) This. (laughs) This movie is stunning. So. A young woman is out with friends at a supper club this is it's a it's a film from the uk so in england and in walks this man who's dressed to the nines he looks like a count like (laughs) 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 and and he becomes smitten with her they meet it turns out that this guy As an artist, he's obsessed with past eras, Renaissance art and uh, Victorian this and that. And his home is like this gothic palace in the middle of the city. You know, it's like the house inside is done up to look like a chateau or something. He dresses in period type clothing, like... And as their relationship grows, she finds out that he believes that they're these reincarnated couple that are in this painting, this Renaissance painting. Oh, he's convinced, and so he he buys all of he has all these costumes for her to wear when she comes over. It turns into this whole role play thing. Oh.
1: And yeah, no, I (laughs) didn't mean to be suggestive. I'm sorry. Like it sounded like I mean, but it kind
2: of is though. But it's forty eight, so they don't, you know,
1: can't be too sexy, yeah. But it's not the
0: licorice corset. The implication,
2: the implication is there, and then there's kind of the mystery of what is this guy's deal? Is he for real? Does he really believe that they're reincarnated? Um you know she as she meets some other people in the household she starts to wonder about what are his real intentions Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
2: it's it's really beautiful it's beautifully done it's got that whole gothic quality again which i just can't get away from sorry folks (laughs) (laughs) i just love it so much and there's like you know this kind of mystery element. There's again another psychological component to this, because you're you're wondering about this guy's obsession. Is is this just that he's just that interested, and and he's kind of doing this cosplay thing? What, what today we would call cosplay <laughs>
1: um, or
2: live action role playing is is the is that what he's doing, or is there more to this
1: supernatural element to this? Okay, it's,
2: I mean it's great. It's it's very cool very beautiful great performances and just the lavish set at Mm -hmm. one point in the film he throws this big ball this costume ball and the way that the set all the extras in costumes and it's just it's it's stunning Study. Wow.
1: that I'm, sounds
0: incredible
1: yeah i'm very intrigued by this it's like uh you had a lot of great picks but i feel like i'm almost most intrigued by this one of your like yeah it feels
0: it, like looking, number one yeah, yeah there's some
1: really like beautiful like photos i'm looking at it be like still photos from the movie yeah. and it, like it's a gorgeous looking black and white movie um wow okay it's there's, on all, there's lots
2: of mirrors in the film corridor of mirrors yeah know, this,
1: yeah <laughs> this
2: weird room where all the costumes are and so you get all these reflections and hallways and yeah it's great i'm on, I'm
1: on board yeah it's on two b can rent it i uh yeah i've never heard of it until now but it sounds really anyone cool.
2: who likes hitchcock's vertigo
1: I, w- I was gonna say it sounds I a little vertigo far. yeah you'll pick
2: up on yeah some similar vibes here with you know this man that's trying to to mold <laughs> this woman in this fantasy image that he has. It's yeah. It's I
1: don't cool. think I've seen any Terrence Young movies besides his Bond movies, so that's right. interesting because I've never seen him outside of Bond mode. So. I've
2: seen Red yes. Sun. I've oh
0: Red Sun. What yeah, else? I,
1: see I
2: haven't seen the Velaki Papers with Bronson yet.
1: I need to. I know he did that. It, I've though. heard. Yeah, I've heard the movie, but I didn't know he did that. Was him William so
0: Dar's good with Audrey Hepburn. That's, mm. a, that's oh, I still got to really see. Yeah, I
1: still got to see that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like okay. that movie Mike Flanagan did Hush, like it's kind of mm. like a yes. precursor to that. But yeah. yeah he's, his his non-Bond stuff from the I guess the two that I've seen is is pretty good and um yeah, he directed Corder my favorite years.
2: Bond film, so.
0: True, true. Wait
1: wait, which is? <laughs> Thunderball. Oh.
2: Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> i said said thunderball thunderball is my favorite bond film
1: sorry i had to respond like, oh no we trash talked that wasn't just
2: just for you that was for the listeners too because people are going she said what yeah she said thunderball
1: i don't remember when or where but somehow we bagged on thunderball i feel like and i can't remember what the circumstance was i was like oh no sorry it's okay
2: it's okay i still love you we're still friends
1: great theme song (laughs)
2: We'll be friends forever, Matt. Even if you don't appreciate Thunderball, Wonderball, we'll be friends forever. I it
1: Wonderball. Thunderball. I forgive oh, you. I'm losing it. Uh, I just called it Wonderball. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll give, I'll revisit it. I want to do a Bond rewatch at some point. Uh, I started one years ago and didn't get through it. I got to go back. Oh, no. You know what happened? I got, through, I got up to the Roger Moore movies. And, god damn, there's a lot of Roger Moore Bond movies. <laughs> like, by, Seven, by yeah. near the end of his run, I was like... I'm just going to jump ahead of the Dalton movie. You needed
0: to, yeah, you needed to take a little, a little break. Yeah.
1: It's just too much of the same guy in a row. It's like, can we get a new Bond? Um, that's why
0: when, that's why when I did my, my rewatch, I, 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 I didn't skip around. Like I didn't skip any, but like I, I flip flopped between like old and new. Like, yeah. That would have been of, a better idea. Yeah, I was really trying to yeah. like
1: plow through like chronological order. We- and I was like, it's a lot of Roger Moore in a row. And I don't, Love the Roger Warmer B's. I'm sorry. I know he has a lot of fans. I oh, I'm sorry. I I'm love sorry.
0: Him. <laughs> love him. Love the shit out oh, him. Oh But anyways, boy. I'm yes. I'm very <laughs> I'm very interested to see Corridor of Mirrors. I really yeah, am. I really I want to really see really this. Am.
1: Um I have so much to watch now. <laughs> so many movies to watch. Uh okay, but we're almost there. Preston, your number one discovery of the year.
0: <laughs> All right. Um I feel like i t I've you know, usually I tweet about there's certain movies I'll tweet about from time and again that like I'm either feeling in the moment or like these are old favorites or sometimes new favorites, like in the case of Modern Romance. I feel like I haven't stopped talking about that movie for like two months now. Um, but in this movie's case, I've played this close to the vest because when I first saw it, way back in I'm actually checking, I'm gonna check Letterboxd really quick because there's some thoughts that I have. Um yeah, I saw this way back in June. And I I immediately knew it was gonna be my number one. I was like, this is oh. so good. Mm-hmm. Um it is oh, what's his name? Um Huzo Atami's 1985 food movie, his self proclaimed ramen western versus spaghetti <laughs> western. It is Tampopo.
1: Ah, okay, okay. Heard of Tampopo. Never seen it. Heard of it. I have
2: not seen it.
0: <laughs> guys. Guys, tell me. guys. guys <laughs> tell me. This is one of the most energetic, fun, comforting, genre-bending movies that still is it, it it's it bends genres, but it feels very much of it like its own thing. Um, I've ever seen. Like just period. And the movie literally starts with people sitting in a theater about to watch the movie that you're watching, which many filmmakers have have done since this, maybe even a little bit before, but not not so much as effectively as this, because, you know, that when the movie begins, you know, that you're watching kind of a fantasy and the movie, it, it has the classic Western setup of um, it actually starts off kind of like a, a big trouble old China kind of deal where. Uh, this gentleman by the name of Goro, uh, who is played by, <clears throat> I believe he's played by Suts- Sutumu, uh Yama- Yamazaki, and also Kenwan Nabi is in this movie. This is one of his oh. earliest roles. Yeah. Um, Goro and an experienced younger colleague by the name of Gun. they stop at a decrepit roadside uh, ramen shop, and outside, Goro rescues a boy who is being beaten up by three schoolmates. The son, named Tabo, is the son of the titular character, Tampopo, who has been widowed. Um, and uh, she inherited this... She either inherited, or I think she co-owned with her ex-husband, um, this struggling ramen shop. <clears throat> and so there's this rival gang, kind of like the Tall T, where there's a rival gang who's messing with like these underprivileged people. And Goro tries to beat the Shabun. He gets his ass beat, essentially. It's one of those... I liken it to Robert Downey Jr. in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, th- that situation where he's one of the coolest characters, one of the coolest performances you've ever seen, but he gets beat up so often, but he's <laughs> dignified, and he's full of honor, <clears throat> and he brings that to Tampopo's ramen shop, where he's one of the main people who helps renovate it, and there begins a kinship between the two, while well, all these other side stories going on, and you even see the people in the sitting in the theater at the beginning of the movie, you see them come into the movie and, and, and there's other side plots that, that go on that feel random in the moment, but then it all connects to this really beautiful ending. That's about family and how food brings people together. There's, there's a, there's a scene that um, uh, where um, they, how can I put this? (laughs) They use food as a part of sex in a very interesting scene of erotica, which I didn't expect from from a comedy, but then I remembered, okay, this is an R-rated comedy. This isn't all just smiles and sunshines. (laughs) And so it's not afraid to be adulterated. Um, I love how it focuses on the the high and low culture of Japan, especially Japan at that time. It definitely has a Kurosawa touch to it, but it feels Mm. a lot like Ozu in the sense that it's, it's unafraid and unabashed about celebrating the impoverished life there's even a scene where someone just dies like straight up and but it's not treated triically or or it doesn't it it doesn't feel non-natural it's all part of this this very lived in world so it speaks to me on that level i love movies that i can just live in um that, that's why i love tarantino movies so much that's why i love party girl just like slice of life type of things and this movie is that with a plot which is cool um, <laughs> and some of the most gorgeous most beautiful arrangements of food you'll ever see I, I like food like I'm a obviously I, I'm, I, I'm, I like a lot of different types of food I wouldn't call myself a foodie but this movie definitely brought that side out of me and mm. like I said it is the most aggrandizing food movie I've ever seen what it has to say about people from just within the 80s and different generations and how it's so relevant today. Um, it's just a delightful masterpiece of a movie. And, and so far, it's actually my favorite non-Kurosawa Japanese film. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, it's it's it just blew me away. I just loved it.
1: Carly, have you seen this movie? I have not, no yeah i i've heard of it i definitely heard yeah, of it I,
2: yeah i've heard of yeah. it as well but yeah no never seen it
1: i've heard good things for years and i for a second i was like wait was Preston on shock and all time about this recently but that was dirk from vhs dirk. Yeah. uh yes, i dirk guess marshall months i don't know a while ago but um but yeah i i want to see it uh just you know haven't gotten around to it even though i've heard nothing but great things about it um but it sounds super interesting it sounds like kind of very unique you know like the yeah. way they tell the story um so, yeah, it's very already...
0: beautifully shot, like in mm-hmm. like, and there's a lot of spaghetti western iconography that's mixed into it. There's even a, a rocky montage that's in, that's in the movie, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, where they're almost poking fun at the idea, but it, but it's also a truly like it gets it's it's an energetic like uh, uh moment in the film. Um, and it's a movie that just loves its characters, and, and that's what I love most about it. It's not afraid to be dark, it's not afraid to be realist. Not realistic, but realist, because again, mm-hmm. it is a, uh, a art within art, which which I appreciate. And it's a, it's celebrating the artist, um, and I, I really am curious to see more movies from this filmmaker now, Because he didn't make a lot. He, I, I think he actually passed away uh, pretty early on in life. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, I I just yeah, this movie this movie rocks. <laughs>
1: Very cool. It's another one's on HBO Max. Uh I refuse to call it just Max. It's HBO Max. It's like I it's like I don't want to call Twitter X. I'm like, come on, it's just you know no, it's I'm
2: not doing oh, it.
1: It's uh but <laughs> HBO, I, I want to shout out HBO Max, amazing resource for classic movies. I think it's they have that Turner classic movies component still in there. Yeah. Um but yeah, a bunch of these have been on there. But I, I yeah I really gotta watch this at some point. Um man, you guys really sold, I mean, all of your picks, but your number ones, especially. I felt like I'm like, I need to watch these right now, even though it's Almost 1130. 30. Uh but <laughs> I was like, I got the weekend is coming up. I got the whole weekend. Um man, okay, we did it. You did your top 10. We this, did was, it. this was so good. Um, I was playing a little game while you guys were doing this, which was keeping track of movies I'd seen, heard of, but never seen, and movies I've never heard of. Oh, so, that's fun. Ooh, Carmelita, I saw I've seen one of your movies. Uh I've heard of but never seen four of them, and I've never heard of five of them. <laughs> never even heard of half the movies uh preston i saw two of yours heard of but never seen six of yours and have never heard of two of yours i probably should have kept nope. track of which ones but i just thought it was interesting
0: <laughs> like, yeah which which ones have you never heard of
1: now i don't remember <laughs> I, just, I just made like a, that's okay. I, just made, I wrote like i've never heard of you just tallied yeah like a tally i was just like I haven't oh, heard yeah, of tally, yeah. tally. i was like i probably should have written the title down
2: well we're gonna go over them right now right oh. we're gonna list yes. them so that well, do you will guys want to do
1: do you want to do armor mentions and then at the very end read back your top 10 shows? however or, you want
2: to do it you're okay. the hey you're the host
1: <laughs> oh that's true i am uh like <laughs> sometimes i forget um well really quick the one thing i want to do was go over some uh for me Some of the movies i did not mention last time
3: that mm, were yeah like please right, do right
1: please right on please. the cusp of making the list um and funny enough a movie that I had not even watched last time we did the episode, but I watched it this past week that would have made the top ten. It would have been on there. Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner. I loved Field of Dreams. Yeah, <laughs> like, man. I I I had avoided it for years because I knew it was all about like dead dad stuff. And I was like, ooh, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> that shit works. That was like at the end of the movie, like, and they had it, I mean they touched it on it. It shouldn't work it really it should not work. work like the movie isn't i was like this movie's way weirder than i thought it would be it's a weird like mainstream movie like it's it's so yeah i love how it deals with like this kind of magical element but it deals with it very like almost casually where it's like it doesn't yeah. make a big deal out of it like um where kevin there's a part where kevin Costner's like i forgot what they might be chicago they're in a city and he kind of like stumbles into the past, but it's like so casual about it. You're like, wait, what? And he meets <laughs> this, you know, the the doc character, I believe, who is Burt, played Burt by... Lancaster. Yes, Burt Lancaster. And and then that how it's just so like it it's not making a huge deal about how it's doing this kind of magical stuff. And um, the ending just killed me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, thank God no one's here right now, because I was like. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it was like the thing where you're trying not to cry, and you're like, but 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 like it's like I'm like well it, uh, it was it really hit. Like it really even before like I I all i never ever heard about was like, oh, the ending is sad, like you know, the whole like dad want to have a catch. And I was like, oh but In all context, the stuff before that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's super entertaining. I mean it's like it's just it's so good. I really loved it. Um the one I can't even mention it or not, because I forgot it was on Daniel's list last year. We kind of a rule of like not overlapping. Mm. It was in a lonely place with Humphrey Bogart. Do you think came oh, up? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, one of my favorites. The movie Nark, the Joe uh, Joe Carnahan movie, mm. really good, super super stressful. Um, yeah, with Jason Patrick and Ray Liotta are great. Um,
2: yeah, it's really good.
1: It's really good. <laughs> uh, Spike Lee's Bamboozled, which I'm pretty sure me and Preston talked about. <laughs> like way back in like january february or something um bamboozled is great like it is still like it cuts like it's just like it's it's very special um a movie that just came out last year but i missed it called after sun which i kind of mentioned earlier mm. i like i didn't know what to expect from after sun and i kind of wish i'd saw i would have been my top 10 in 2022 if i'd seen it in time but i didn't see it till this year um cannot remember the last time a movie i kind of thought it was like okay as it was going or it's good i'm like this looks really nice but i'm like i don't really get what's going on (laughs) and then like the way that after sun comes together at the end it like i cannot a a movie where it like it finished and i like was like whoa that just hit me like a ton of bricks because like it kind of doesn't really fully reveal never really even it really says what really happens but you can infer what happens to the main character and you're like oh like it's like mm. it's just it, it it the way it plays with that like kind of time and it's just like it's kind of subtle in that way and then you're like oh no like it it really that one hit that's very emotional it's really good um a movie called shame from 1988 which is an australian movie that Ooh. stars a woman named deborah lee Furness, who until recently had been married to hugh jackman for like i think like 20 or 30 years so they were married her. forever and they just got divorced. I was sad when I heard it. I was like, oh, it's like, she was an actress. I, I think she kind of stopped at a certain point. But Shame is so good. I, um, who put it out? It's one of the Vinegar Syndrome partner labels put it out. Oh huh. might be Umbrella. Um, but, but it's basically about a woman who's like this, I think she's a lawyer who goes this kind of small town. I thought there's a lot of these things in Australia where people wind up in a really small kind of town, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and yeah. shit goes bad. <laughs> so, um she goes to this town and meets this young girl who tells her that she's been raped and she wants her to like report it to people and she wants to help her, but there's like police corruption in this small town and you know the guys that did it I think are kind of favored and you know they're like so it's just people not believing women kind of and then like the way that it resolves I don't want to spoil it, but it's like it resolves in a way that is kind of, I think, honest, but it's kind of shocking. (laughs) And uh, it was really good. It was really like powerful movie Um, and gun crazy from 1950.
0: Mm. I've always wanted to see that. Oh, good. It's
1: really good. Uh, Good. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I don't know what to say about it. Last one. Super not serious, but super fun. Smoking the Bandit. (laughs) <laughs> it was, oh uh, hell yes i had never seen smoking the bandit and the I love it was of like, my
2: life burt reynolds
1: i know because <laughs> <laughs> i was on a burt reynolds kick for like a while like it's been going on for like the past like two years and i think i'm it might have been like one of the first things i watched this year was smoking the bandit because i was like what a fun way to start off the new year and uh smoking the bandit was yes super fun as i had thought it would be um great stunt great yeah
3: yeah. Like, yeah
1: yeah oh yeah it's it's so much fun so yeah those were kind of like the ones that i didn't mention last time they're all kind of circled (laughs) um around the top 10 i thought there's even one more that i watched recently that oh yeah three days of the condor probably been honorable mention because i really like three days of the condor with robert redford um it's it's really good uh but yeah that was that was my like leftover (laughs) honorable mention so um nice yes so okay uh I'll let I'll let Preston go first. Preston. Do you want to do honorable mentions? Just like rattle off of you know some really quick and
0: sure, sure. And I have a few things to say about a few of them, but I'll I'll go pretty fast. Um, my big runner-up, the one that almost made number ten, almost was um, Dorothy Arzner's "Dance Girl, Dance" from nineteen forty. Um, uh, for people who were uh, fans of uh, Cult Movies podcast, I'm I oh. miss that podcast so much. Yeah. I know. Um, Um, me and the host, Anthony King and Keith Rich, we, uh, we all covered that movie and it became an instant favorite after covering it. So dance, girl, dance, amazing backstage drama. Uh, I think it it, it is a Matt musical. Uh, I just, you know, just (laughs) put that out there. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, other runner-ups, uh, Sergio Corbucci's The Mercenary. Uh, that movie is so awesome. That was one of my favorite action discoveries of, of the year. Colonel Knowledge, the Mike Nichols film from 1971, oh, yeah. excellent movie. Um, Little Forest from 2018, great South Korean food movie uh, makes a great double with Tampopo. Um, my favorite slasher discovery of the year: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. so so fucking awesome. Oh my god! Oh god, it's uh, good. <laughs> Dogfight from 1991. Uh, Two Inmar Bergman movies uh, made the runner-up list: Um, Fanny Alexander, 1982. It's long, guys, but it's good. I swear. Um, (laughs) And my favorite uh, Bergman so far: Smiles of a Summer Night. Um, RRR from from last year. Um, John Huston's Night the Iguana, a Carmelita favorite. Um, Love it. (laughs) Barry Lyndon, Stanley Kubrick, John Carpenter, Barry Lyndon. Sorry, (laughs) it was like I. No, you're good. I gotta watch that one. Yeah, it's. In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Belle de Jour, Louis Buniel. Um, Beautiful. Train Spotting, Joseph Lazzies The Servant, and William Freakins Cruising.
1: Oh, nice. I watched Cruising for the first time this year, too, I think. it was. I think it was this year. <laughs> it's all kind of a blur, but I think, uh, yeah, that was, that movie's wild like that oh yeah it's like shocking by today's standards let alone 1980s standards so i think i think um,
0: carmelia's pick might have a beat though but we'll we'll see we'll see what i <laughs> when i watch it
2: <laughs> no that that was a beautiful honorable mentions list
0: that was good that was thank a
2: fun variety too you. yeah so many good ones in there okay so just really quickly i had there's some there is some overlap like fallen idol was on my honorable mentions that made oh, Preston's yeah. list. Uh, investigation of a citizen above suspicion. Oh, you mentioned that yes. on your Discoveries episode. That was on my honorable mention list. Um, as was Taste of Fear, which was on Keith Rich's yes. list. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was on my honorable mentions. <laughs> um, but then it diverges. <laughs> <laughs> uh Cecil B. DeMille's Madam Satan from 1930.
1: Oh, I haven't oh. heard of that.
2: Wild! What
1: a name, Madame <laughs> That sounds. This
2: awesome. is not. That's what I call this my is boss. Not Cecil uh, B. DeMille doing the Ten <laughs> Commandments, biblical stuff. This is something else. It's fun. Pre-code. Okay. Good time. It's crazy.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, <Okay. laughs> what else? Uh, Kamikaze eighty-nine. Uh, German cyberpunk dystopian future
1: oh, oh i bought criminal I blind investigation you know blu-ray of this i blind bought, bought it, it. yeah because i it Watch was like it. it was on sale and i was like i think the director's somebody am i imagining it's that? like
2: fucking cool <laughs> it's I really can't. fucking i want to cool.
0: see this i want to see this it's a good
2: time it's you know it's kind of got this neo-noir cyberpunk thing going on and um so it stars uh the star, the the detective, is played by uh Rainer Werner Fassbinder, the actor director. Oh. He did not direct this though. Wolf Graham directed this.
1: Oh, but also he's I was the star confused. of this. I'm sorry, I had a wrong. There's another movie called kamikaze. That I thought was I think you were saying it was from 89, the year. No. And it's from 86. I was like, that's not the right kamikaze. Different kamikaze. <laughs> I see kamikaze 89 now. This is yeah, from yeah, 1981. Yeah.
2: 1982, or? yeah. 82. Or man.
1: 81. Yeah. So
2: that's a fun one. <laughs> okay. Uh The Possessed from 1965. The Italian title is something about a lake. La Donna oh, del Lago is the Italian oh. title. Um Italian film, really cool about a guy who's trying to get to the bottom of what happened to this woman he fell in love with the summer before. Uh, 10, Rillington Place, or Rillington Place, I can never remember how it's pronounced, uh, is the uh, story of the serial killer, John Christie. That's a good one, so kind of like the serial killer crime thriller kind of situation. The one... The one Western that made my honorable mentions was the big country.
0: Hey, that's a, oh man, that's such a good <laughs> from movie.
2: 1958. Very cool, really neat to see a Western tackle the ideas of masculinity and like what does it mean to be a man?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I just, I'd love that about it. So that was a fun one. Uh, okay, The Laughing Woman from. 1969 crazy crazy movie 60s it's kind of got a little bit of that erotic flair to it too and and there's it gets a little twisty and psychological that's a good one Uh, spider from our boy David Cronenberg Cronenberg. I finally saw spider
1: still haven't seen it I need to see from it.
2: 2006, no, 2002 um, Ralph finds in that it's it's. I mean, admittedly, it's kind of one of those where someone who doesn't have mental illness plays someone who has mental illness. Oh. So I could understand if some people took issue, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, What else? Oh, I finally thanks to you, Matt. Thanks to you telling me <laughs> where it was streaming that ah. it was finally streaming somewhere I finally saw Head.
1: Oh yes. yeah, The yeah, Monkeys. Yeah. What a what a wild movie. <laughs> I need I need Aqualux for that.
2: <laughs> I Okay, a lot of people don't know this cuz to look at me you would not know this. I adore The Monkeys.
0: Oh wow.
2: Adore The Monkeys. So, finally getting to see head was like, oh my god!
1: It was never seen anywhere too. That was like,
2: yeah, yeah, it was hard to find. Toys are not for children. Nineteen seventy-two. That one really surprised the hell out of me. I was expecting it to be complete trash, and it was.
3: <laughs>
2: and it was actually really fascinating, very interesting. A young woman who has like serious daddy issues and she's obsessed with toys because the father that abandoned her would always give her toys and that it, it's a psychological
0: <laughs> thriller
3: I mean not
2: really I mean there's some psychological stuff it's kind of melodramatic and there's like all this weird psychosexual stuff it's yeah oh those are fossils I mean, there's so many i'm going to stop now yeah. the idea there's uh, there's so many more on this honorable mention list because everything that didn't make the cut I just kept throwing them on there <laughs> all that to say it was a great year for watching movies
1: that's that's good to hear I'm glad it you really both was. like you had fantastic years of of yeah. watching lots of great stuff um yeah isn't it fun like I don't know I keep like a running letterbox list that's private and like I watch something really good and I just throw it on there and in the end of the year that's when I start kind of going like okay maybe this should be in the top 10 and kind of like, I leave all the other stuff kind of just below the top 10. That's all kind of just whatever, but like kind of just kind of picking like, okay, that was great. And like, thank God for letter Boss, Cause I would be lost with
3: like,
2: yes, with all the it stuff makes it I want. a lot easier.
1: Yeah. Like, but it's so much fun yeah. just to go back and look at that list and kind of like reminisce on what I actually walked throughout the year. Like, especially earlier in the year. I'm like half that stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was really good. Uh, like, and that was, and that was this year, um, which sometimes it's hard to remember. Um,
2: That's a big one, especially <laughs> in recent years. I know. Ever since. Together.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like, what year is this? Is right. that, that was this year. I thought that was, I thought that was last year. Oh, that was this year. I know. You know, I go. I do that a lot.
1: It's a mess. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Good thing for Letterboxd. So uh, it's, it's fun. I just, I don't know. I, I love, I mean, we, I think Preston, you weren't on the call yet, but we like, I don't rewatch a lot of stuff, usually, unless it's for the podcast. Um, cause I just feel like there's just so much stuff to see as evidenced by both your lists. Cause I haven't seen most of these things. And it's like, I just want to keep like, it's like the movie watcher's curse, right? It's like you just want to keep watching stuff that you haven't seen, but it's like you only have so much time to watch all this stuff. So, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but uh, thank you both so much for doing this. This was, uh, this was so much fun. Oh, you got to reread your top 10s. I almost did it again where oh. I just blew right past them. <laughs> like, uh, uh, Who's ready to read their top 10? I'm ready. Okay, go ahead, Carmelie.
2: <laughs> so number 10 was who killed Teddy Bear? Number nine, the shout. Number eight, bug. Number seven, the day of the jackal. Number six, the witch's mirror. Number five, the entertainer. Four was the angelic conversation. Three was Z, like the letter Z. Two was licorice quartet. And number one was corridor of mirrors.
0: Fantastic! That's good. Good stuff. Uh, I can't wait to see all these movies. <laughs> I'm so excited.
1: Oh, uh, Preston, uh, your top ten again? I'm ten to one. Uh,
0: my number ten: The falling, the fallen idol. My number nine, History is Made at Night. Number eight, Wagon Master. Number seven, There's Always Tomorrow. Number six, Party Girl. Number five, The Late Show. Four, Eyes Without a Face. Three, Modern Romance. Two, The Tall T. One, Tampopo.
1: Very cool. Yeah, you both had like like different lists from each other and then very, very like lists- you know, amongst your own list, like very cool picks. I loved it. I have so much to watch now. I feel like
2: me too. there's plenty and
1: on the list. Party girl items. are calling to me first. I feel like I'm gonna go probably watch those like this weekend or something. I don't know why. Like I mean, each of your picks, if like Dan, Jackal, and Party Girl, I want to see them both for a long time, and you both describe them very well. So, um and I gotta watch like Chris Quartet*. I just got no
0: say. like what this movie is. Like that i number told me what man. it is, but I'm like. <laughs> I needed yeah. my eyeballs, like literally. Like, you do just yeah. I, like the family you in that do. movie, I needed my eyeballs, like literally. Like,
1: <laughs> oh, boy, uh, so much fun. This was this was so great. I uh, I just wanted to get you guys back together from the Jackie Bryan episode, and um, we should be doing a cobwebs together again soon with Daniel, which would be a ton yeah. of fun. So yeah. um, this is a great, it's a great trio. I think so,
2: <laughs> I think so too. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate
0: oh uh likewise no thank you for having having me and and it's it's been it's been really cool to 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 share discoveries with uh, a film fan that i really respect two film fans that i really respect but be able to to bounce off of someone who um um who i I love always love hearing your double features carmelita and love conversing with you about movies and stuff like that seriously this uh means a lot to 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 be in that uh to be on this episode. And uh yeah, I I hope it doesn't take a year. Just put I know it's your podcast, Matt, but I hope it doesn't take a year, a whole another year for us to come back together, but you know, you never know.
1: No, no, we're gonna we're gonna figure something out to talk about uh to, to do I have some ideas. Oh, okay. All right.
0: Oh, there's that one that we talked about.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. We've Someone's been different. scheming. <laughs> Someone needs to respond.
2: No, you don't know about it. We've oh, been scheming. Oh
1: oh okay. we haven't laid
2: it on you yet
1: oh okay we'll
2: do we'll it just, off mic though so that you're yeah. not the on, intrigue. On, the, on the spot
1: yeah the intrigue will build um but yes thank right? you what could it be <laughs> I, just, I really don't know um but yeah thank you so much i love these discoveries episodes uh so it was fun to do one with you guys and uh yeah, we'll do it again next year, but we'll talk before then. Not kidding.
3: Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yes, please.
1: We'll do an episode before. Please. Um, okay, Uh. Carmelie, do you want to tell people where they can follow you and any other podcasts sure. you might be on soon or anything like that?
2: There's, there's a few things coming down the pike soon. <laughs> I've been recording. So to find out more, you can just follow me on Twitter. It's the easiest. I'm also <laughs> on Letterboxd with the same handle and kind of on Blue Sky. Same oh, handle I for everything I
1: forgot about blue sky
2: at carmelita <laughs> says
1: yes uh so i the blue sky threw me off i was like oh yeah blue sky <laughs> it's a good backup it's a good backup because twitter right. can fall at any moment uh exactly so, um yes everyone should be following you carmelita says uh it's great stuff and preston what people follow you and do you have any podcasts coming up anytime soon
0: Sure. Um, uh, you can follow, You can find me uh, at Twitter. Um, uh, find me on Twitter at P-R-E-S-T-O-M-I-T or letterbox at presto uh, underscore M-I-T-C-H. Um I love connecting with movie fans on both uh, platforms, uh, including these two wonderful people. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I just uh, um, I was just recently on uh, Schlock and Awe um, a few weeks ago and School by Cinema. Uh, and, um, and where I was, one, I was talking about a classic musical that I had never seen that uh, instantly became uh, a movie I know I'm going to revisit for, for, for years to come. And then the other, actually, it should have been in the oral mentions, Cabaret, so that's another one. Um, and then uh, the other was about modern romance, which uh, I talked about on this top 10 list. So, um, yeah, just feel free to find my previous podcast appearances and, uh, yeah.
1: Good stuff. Yes, everyone should you, too. The, the positivity from you, too. There's no, like, <laughs> negativity, I feel like, on Twitter. You know, you're not complaining about stuff all the time. It's great. Uh, so, <laughs> you're wonderful people. Um, Aww. The yes. feeling
2: is mutual. <laughs>
1: so, um, well, yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. we we'll back next week. We should be back next week with uh, me and Anthony King doing a Christmas uh, related-ish episode. It's a weird... Nice so weird but i feel like you will see like oh of course man anthony that movie for a christmas episode um <laughs> i won't even say what it is all people surprised so um thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time bye everybody